Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Run Fest on Raw Dog Radar. Comedy Hits Channel 99 Stay back of the brand new year. The Ron and Fez Show, the only show that welcomes both the white and gold and black and blue. Or blue on black. Blue on black. Um, Fez Watley, white and gold, black and blue. It's a black and blue. Shelby, white and gold, that black and blue. White and gold. So you're completely white and gold. Yeah. Because you see nothing but black and blue. Yeah, the blue is the most obvious part of it. We mean the most obvious part. Like it's, I don't see any white whatsoever. The black isn't a definite black. Mm-hmm. But the blue is totally blue. I see what you see as the blue is white, and the black that you see, I see as almost sandpaper brown. Or gold, for lack of a better term. Um, anyway, that's up on the iBang if you wanted to see it. As well as the Steve Buscemi picture when he was 19 years old, who completely looks like Shelby. You didn't send both pics at the same time, uh, so we'll have to uh, look into it a little later on and fix that up. I don't know where you'll be able to say that, but... Shelby went and posed in his most Steve Buscemi look. And, uh... Was not hard. <laughs> Very little posing. You know what? You could end up in Boardwalk Empire 2, the 1970s years. Boardwalk Empire 2, we at it again. Yeah. 
uh, back when, you know, you could walk around the boardwalk with a switchblade and say, Resorts is coming in another three months. Can't wait for my big acting opportunity. Well, you're a good actor. Uh, today, I don't want to... Certainly, I want to squash a beef when they happen, and I don't want to drag backstage under the air, but you laughed in Fez's face today, and he had a complete meltdown. You snickered at him, and Fez, you lost your shit. Absolutely. Yeah, the guy who doesn't know enough to turn on microphones when Big Jay Okerson walks in the room thinks he's going to snicker at someone else in this building. What did he snicker for you for? Do you remember? Oh, I was trying to spit something out, and I was stumbling over it. it was it funny the way that you were, you were stumbling? No, it was just a normal stumble. Mm. But don't we all laugh at each other when we stumble at stuff? There was no reason to laugh at that point. Shelby, you felt like there was a reason to laugh? I mean, I, it just seemed, it just came out of me. I, I wasn't trying to force it. I was actually trying to uh, hold it back, so the, the snicker could have been even bigger. Yeah, what Fez said to us was Catwoman has come out as by uh, the Catwoman, not, none of the actresses, just the etching that appears in comic books. And Fez, like, I always thought she was. And then you snickered. And Fez went fucking crazy. He's a fucking little creep who doesn't know how to do his job after all this time, so he shouldn't laugh at anyone who's having trouble with theirs as well. Uh, Jay, Jay, you're on the run of Fez show. What up, Dogsy? Hey, Dogs yeah, and Dogs out. Our boy Fez has got blue balls and so jizz. Snickering. Of course he is. Snickering. We'll see who's snickering last. Is that what you want to do, a snicker last? He should snicker less, I'll snicker last. I just know that you guys wouldn't see the colors the same way. I, I just, of course not. It's a, obviously a white and gold dress. I don't know how he's seeing blue and black. That was such a sincere read on that. It's it's a white and gold dress. It's there's blue lights. Obviously, making... it is a white and gold dress. I don't know why Fez doesn't see what I'm seeing. Fuck you. <laughs> Do not start any shit with me, Mister. Can't load a replay. That's his bowling name. Now, Fez. Why does it make you mad that he sees a different color of the dress than you do? Because he doesn't. He's just saying it to be an asshole. I see white and gold also. You said it before I said what I said. Yeah. But you think the only reason that he says he sees white and gold is to make you look crazy and stupid. Do you feel crazy? No, I see a blue dress. So why would you get mad at him about that? I'm just mad at him about everything. I don't like him. Shelby? Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant Buscemi. Because I think he's fantastic. Buscemi's great. He's Eddie Dane's boy. (laughs) 
He's flopping with the Dane right now. I'm start. I'm gonna start pitching prequels to every Buscemi movie, like Harvey Weinstein, just in case I could get in on those. Great idea, Harvey. Have we figured out what Eddie Dane's boy was doing before the movie? Before he got killed? <laughs> look, he probably was robbing banks before Reservoir Dogs. Maybe take a look at that. You could be young Mr. Pink, the teenage years. Yeah. Teen Pink. Look, was he always a waiter at that restaurant? Or maybe, you know, he was Wait, a busboy. You're just saying at that restaurant, because you don't remember the name of Jack Rabbit Slims. I just when you said it, I did. Yeah. You see what he's doing to me now? Yeah, he's trying to do it to you, too. That's the respect he shows around here. But I'm keeping my cool completely. He pisses you off, though, huh? Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, anyway, the pictures that people see, the dress is either blue or white. It's up on the eye bank. It's turning brother against brother right now. It's gotten ugly. Um, coming up a little later on in the show, Lisa Robinson is going to be talking about the 70s California scene. Uh, that's the Eagles, Jackson Brown, Linda Ronstadt, Warren Zevon. She's written an article about it. And then we're supposed to be talking with Will Forte today. Will Forte. Um, here's, whoops, there's David in San Francisco. Hey, David. Hey, what's going on? Hey, what were you trying to spit out? You shouldn't be spitting stuff out there in the office. Gross. Um, yep, I'm gross. Yep. Yeah, you're gross. What are you trying to spit out? Come. Fuck you. <laughs> My chest hurts today. Shelby I'm just not going to deal with it. And Shelby's starting shit. Always. Well, I hope that I. I hope you feel like I'm somebody that you can lean on today. I appreciate it. I'm here for you. I'm starting to see it a little more bluish too. That thing seems bluish to me this morning. All right, the we've got the pictures on the eye bang of Shelby next to Buscemi. Is that where it is on the eye bang, or is it on the Twitter? It's on the Twitter. I right, go to the Twitter, and you can see Shelby's picture. You know what you look like? Like bees stung Steve Buscemi in the <laughs> face. <laughs> Your lips are bigger than his. Your eyes are even sleepier. Your eyebrows don't match up as much. Steve Buscemi could probably walk in here and go, who's the freak? God damn it. <laughs> That's what people are usually saying to him. Yeah. Benny, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, I just needed to um, say something to Fez. Yeah. Nice. She's, she's snickering at your face. Yeah, nice pig noise. Is that how you find a mate? Let me call you back. Suey! And what about her name, Fezzy? She's named after a cat on Top Cat. I mean, Benny, what's that all about? She's a cunt. Oh! <laughs> shit! Fez Watley! Never heard you do that before. Um, hey, Lois, what do you got, buddy? 
Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I don't know what everybody's talking about with this blue and white dress. When I look at it, I see orange pants. That's weird. Uh, Pablo in New York. Hey, what's up? I'm uh, colorblind, and I had a t- I got a test. Like uh, they made my job, they make you take a test, and I like I cheated on it, so I got through to this job, even though I'm colorblind, and nobody knew. And then all my coworkers today, it's been going on. I've been working there for ten years. I have all my coworkers today are like, "Hey, you know, what do you see here with this dress?" And I'm like, "Oh, fuck! Do they know?" Like that I'm like I don't know I don't so I looked in the comments and I'm like oh let me see what everybody's fucking saying and it's all oh it's white it's blue it's this I'm like I'm fucked I don't know what I don't and I just feel like I don't know man I don't have time what does it look like to you everything I I can't see blue and I can't see like pink so like everything kind of looks black and like black to me like different shades of gray and black and. You like there's certain colors that it just I, looks like an old movie. Wherever you go, you expect to see Jimmy Cagney. Yeah, I'm just waiting for them. Waiting to get that Kaiser. <laughs> um, that's great. Um, here's Nate in Minnesota. Hey, Nate. What's up, cousins? Hey, cuz. Hey, uh, you know, I, last night my wife and I were looking at that dress thing, and it was is white and gold to both of us. And then uh, I was listening to Bennington this morning. And it was white and gold for me again. And then I got to work and was showing some people. And the fucking thing was blue and black. I've seen it blue and black a couple times during the day. But then it'll disappear. I'll just see a flash of it that way. Yeah, it's crazy. I, well, my internet was down at work. So then I was pissed. And then it turned blue and black. And now everything's good to go. And now we're back to gold and white. I, you know, I don't know. I can't figure it out. Yeah, I don't get it either. I feel like I'm a crazy person. I never saw anything bust up the internet the way this has. You always talk about things breaking the internet. And, like, I'm sitting at my house last night, I got home from this meeting, and ping, ping, people are just like, I don't know if you've seen this yet. Have you seen this? And I'm just like, relax, everybody. Um, A couple people are saying if you try it on different screens, you will see it in a different color. Uh, Ryan in North Carolina. Hey guys, what can we do for you? Oh, not too much. I just want to uh, get your take on the uh, the amount of fans that you get shit from. I mean, do you see any semblance with the amount of message boards and everything else that people can just be unidentified now and and call into a radio show and, and be a dick to somebody? I mean, is that does that correspond these unidentified people? Is that what you think it is? Oh yeah, like Benny was her real name. Yeah, exactly. I just don't understand. Everybody can be unnamed now. It's it's uh, somewhat ridiculous to me. But I also want to point man. out Fez isn't your real name. That's true. Todd Marie. But, uh, hey, man, keep it up. We love you, Fez. Take care of yourself. I mean, everybody uses a character, right? Shelby Lynn isn't exactly Shelby Lynn. Um, here's uh, Matt Winchester. You're on the Run Fez show. Yeah, hey, Ron, we could always get Shelby cast to see what Bashimi's character was doing before Con Air. I mean, Shelby has a proclivity for that type of work. Mm, no kidding. No kidding. Lots of stuff up on the iBank today, including the llamas loose and captured in Phoenix. That was the big, big thing yesterday. Um, a Mexican woman was busted for rubbing one out to Fifty Shades of Grey in the movie theater. Now, a lot of guys have jacked in movie theaters, but very few women have done it. And you can buy the brand Radio Shack for $20 million.
I would do that if I had like if I was well off, like I had fifty million. Put twenty million down, you'd probably make twenty million back at least. In what way? I mean, it's not like you're going to make it the biggest company, but you can make it an okay company. How could you? They just went bankrupt selling radios. People don't go out looking for radios anymore. Yeah, stop. You got to stop selling radios, probably. But then what? Well, then what is the name Radio Shack good for? Just call it the Shack from now on. Then I think you could go out and get the name the Shack without paying Radio Shack twenty million. You're not making any sense. What are you going to do with the name Radio Shack that would be better than what Radio Shack did? I'd I'd only buy Radio Shack so I can just have all the stores. Instead of You're having to go at the fucking stores, you buy the brand name Radio Shack. The brand, the name Radio Shack, RadioShack.com, and the name Radio Shack you buy for $20 million. You don't get the store, you don't get the old radio parts. That's not there for you. You can't even resell it to Shaquille O'Neal because Shaq is spelled wrong for him. Uh, I wonder how many times people go, hey, what's on the radio, Shaq? Or I heard you on the radio, Shaq. <laughs> I bet it's every day. I bet it happens to have once, because I've seen his friends, and they don't do jokes like that. Um, Jason, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron, hey, Fez, keep your chin up. I mean, you've been doing great all week. I don't care what anybody else says. I agree. All that happened today is that you and Shelby had a falling out. And uh, about that dress, I don't care if it's uh, green and white, gray, what, what color it is. I just think it's gaudy looking with all those uh, dazzles on it. They didn't say who was wearing it or what it was for, but apparently this is the biggest thing on the ra- on the internets today. The internet is going crazy over what is the color of this dress. I think colors are just going to be entirely different, like thousands of years. Like our brains can evolve to see colors in a different way. Like the way the way our brains need to see colors, like now, it may have been like way different than what our brains needed to see like thousands of years ago. Well, we don't see everything. That's the weird thing about sight. So I don't know. You know, again. The whole thing of colors is uh, is a bizarre concept when you think about it. Because everything is the same color. It's only the way light is reflected off of it. But if you take the light out of it, it's all the same color. It's weird. Um, here is uh, here's Kevin. Kevin, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, first, Shelby, that was a great idea about buying Radio Shack. You're real smart. And uh, Fez, I wouldn't worry about that clown. He's got a three-inch wiener. Which clown? Shelby's got a three-inch wiener. Um, let's put up the the uh, picture of Shelby and uh, Steve Buscemi. Now, Steve Buscemi... In this picture, and this picture alone looks better looking than Shelby. I think Shelby is an attractive guy, but black and white is not his place. I if if this was like the same era, if we if he looked like this today, he should bring me around with him just so he looks better. Spy in report. Spy 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 report. This just in, and I'm starting to interrupt you, Shelby. Spy report. Spy report. 
Dan, Dan, you're on the Run of Fez show. Spy report. Spy report. Leonard, ne- Leonard Nimoy, dead this morning. Spock is dead. Leonard Nimoy passed away this morning. Uh, Spy report. New York Times is just reporting this now. Spy report. Spy report. Yesterday that he was ill, but Leonard Nimoy. Uh, and I believe when TV Guy did that, wasn't Spock the most famous character in the history, or at least a top five in the history of television? Yeah, I thought he was maybe top because I think he got the cover of that issue. Well, Leonard Nimoy uh, passed away. We live in a world without Spock. Well, at least without that Spock. There's other Spocks running around now. Yeah, there's new Zachary Kinto, Spock. Slap Spock, they call him. The Spock who slaps. Now, you weren't even a Star Trek fan, huh? No, but Spock was the best part of that show. Spock, Leonard Nimoy, passes away today. That's a tough one. What was his thing, too? Didn't he have a... Was it art that he collected, or he did photography? He supposedly had a lot of different parts to his personality. Uh, But I guess never really got to do a lot of acting outside of Spock because he was so identified with that character Yeah, that they really couldn't put him to many other places. Poetry, photography, music, in addition to... Uh, acting. And he also had that syndicated science series, In Search Of. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that series. That was, what, 80s? I think it was before that. I think it was in the 70s. Alright, we're all thinking about this. We don't have exact things, but we know Leonard Nimoy uh, passed away today. Um... All right, John says this. You and you and uh, you and Shelby are acting like you don't like each other. But remember, you took him out to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, that was a pity meal. You, you did it to freak out your mom, and then he even let you feel him up a little bit in front of your mom. I, re- I regret doing that now. I mean, you wish you didn't. No, I got felt up for nothing. I regret that time too. It was your hire. Then you also offered to fly him home for Christmas this year. Yep. But I believe I was snickered at. You don't like the snickering, huh? I no. I just don't like him. Too bad, because you guys are a lot alike. Right, now people are sending in pictures of young Don Knotts, and it looks an awful lot like Shelby. And Fez, wasn't Don Knotts your all-time favorite? Absolute favorite. Love Don Knotts. And now you're sitting here working with your own Don Knotts. Look how much he looks like Shelby. Uh, maybe physically around the lips, but Don Knotts had some talent. So Shelby. And I only gave him one bullet... Um, I'm making him stay in a ghost house tonight. 
Here's Aaron. Aaron, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Aaron yes, in Kentucky. Spy report. spy report again. Spy report. Yes, CBS posted that the dress is blue and black, even though it looks gold and white to me. Well, how can they post that it's blue and black? They said it's available on a Roman website for like $77, I think. So the actual dress looks blue and black. Slide report. All right, so that's interesting. I didn't. It never occurred to me to say if somebody who has seen the dress, because I'm sure if someone walked in here with the dress on, we'd see the dress the same. Don't we all agree yeah, to that? Yeah. We yeah. think it has to be the photography that changes our perception of it. So, Fez, you might not be able to see a movie in 3D. Um, not without throwing up. Lucas, you're on the Ron and Fez show. Hey, guys, man. it's I, I didn't even hear this morning about about Leonard Nimoy. I'm so sad. I yeah, mean, we just lost. found out. It's really, it really is sad. It's a loss. And I was wondering, have you guys ever heard the Bilbo Baggins song that he released in the 60s? Spock? Yeah. Yeah, Leonard Nimoy did a song about Bilbo Baggins, and I believe it was on, like, a variety show. He did it, and it's pretty weird. All right, let's uh, play Leonard Nimoy's song, Bilbo Baggins. Lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire With his Woo! long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolly toes He lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins He's only three Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins Bravest little hobbit of them all Now hobbits are peace-loving folks, you know they're never in a hurry and they take things slow. They don't like to travel away from home. They just like to eat and be left alone. But one day Bilbo was asked to go on a big adventure to the caves below to help some dwarves get back their gold that was stolen by a dragon in the days of old Bilbo. Bilbo! 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 Only three feet tall. Bilbo! I can't take any more. The only thing that would be, uh, it's too bad that he didn't pass away before he did this song. Um, Chip uh, writes to us, another fake Fez slash Shelby fight. Come on, you guys, you run this bit way too much. It is true. You guys have got to get some new material. It's not a bit with me. And then it should be a bit. You're on the radio. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You should come on the radio with material, not just yelling back and forth at each other. Dr. Steve wrote this to us. If your eye is trained to autocorrect poorly exposed pictures, you'll see it as white and gold. Mm, that's interesting. Uh, hey, Grady, you're on the Run and Fez show. Hey man, you think uh, you think this dress has got the shelf life to uh, make it to Halloween? No, definitely not. Yeah, you're nothing right. does. Yeah, because there's a uh, brand new TV show coming on Friday night. You know all about it? Then tell me, it's the Last Man on Earth, starring Will uh, Forte. 
And keep reading your plug. Here's your plug, Fezzi. Last Man on Earth, that's going to air 9.30 this Sunday on Fox. Uh, Sunday, March 1st at 9 p.m. is when the premiere is. Special double episode. Then after that, on Sundays at 9.30, you can go to Fox.com for more information. Let's bring him in right now. Saturday Night Live, Nebraska, and now Last Man on Earth, Will Forte. Last Man on Earth is here. Will Forte, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? You know, uh, I saw the first couple episodes. You, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone on TV forced to carry an episode by themselves. Maybe Jerry Lewis, 3 o'clock in the morning during the telethon, <laughs> remember? Oh, he would have to keep it going. But you, I, I, can you think of anyone else that's ever... I. Uh, well, I know there was a, an old Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith in it where he's, you know, he's, it, isn't it, a, he wakes up or, I forget how everybody's it happens, missing. but he, nobody, he, all of a sudden yeah. just everybody's gone. And isn't, doesn't he love to read? Isn't that the thing? He loves to read. And I'm going to spoil this, but, but then he, his glasses break. His he finally cl- has all this time to read books <laughs> and his glasses break and he can't do it anymore. You know, there was a, an obsession, I think, in the 1960s where somebody would be the last person alive. And it's got to be nuclear fears, right? Isn't it? Yeah, 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 it must be. Yeah. But you always, they always go out of their way to show that the bodies have, have disappeared. Yes. You know, because no one, there's no romance of walking around over stacked up bodies. Yeah. Yeah. We in in our show we don't really deal with the bodies. I I wasn't afraid to to have some bodies in there, but it it, it was just decided that the bodies shouldn't be around. Um, yeah, I it it uh, supposedly because what happens in our show is a virus sweeps through the world and somehow I'm immune to the virus, and so we're just taking it that the virus was swift enough to. Get everybody, but slow enough moving so that everyone could go and die in their own beds, <laughs> and and so everyone's just in their homes. Maybe it's just slow enough. A lot of them were buried, a lot then yeah. other yeah, yeah. people caught on. But the idea of the country being left open for one person, there's an odd romance to it, even though there shouldn't be. Yeah, there is. Yeah, there's uh, definitely a lot of the 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 first episode is the, the you know experiencing the positive sides yeah. of no people around the wish fulfillment area but you know we also the, the another part of it is just how helpless you would be if you were somebody like me sure. in that situation you have no idea how to you know get the plumbing working or electricity just basically everything uh it- 
Very few of us really know how to sustain life on the planet yeah. Earth. You yeah, know, you we take so much for granted. Yeah, and and you know, if you're stuck on a on a desert island, sense of humor doesn't matter at all. Yeah. You know, kindness, everything that we act like, this is what you need to be as a good person. Yeah. But it really comes back to being able to stab stuff, grow stuff, build stuff. Yeah. You know, if aliens took any of us, we wouldn't be able to explain to them how the earth worked. Yeah. You know, we <laughs> we wouldn't be able to tell them how water got from one place to another. Yeah. How radio and television. I still I look at a TV and I go, how could pictures show up live? It's unbelievable. Was it? uh God, Louis C.K. has this really fun, uh, funny uh rant on people who complain about oh, their yeah, cell yeah, phones. Yeah, right. Well, he, it's so funny yeah. and it's so true. Like, what are you complaining about? There's you're talking to somebody <laughs> and it's shooting up into space and going or, or, or yeah. internet or something like that. And you know, it's it's, going into it space takes a couple and back, seconds yeah. and you're like, oh, oh, it's it's. But also, the, he he does a great bit on how we bitch about flying, and he's like, what in your chair flying like magic yeah. chair? Yeah. And it's true, people. No one sits around and thinks, isn't it amazing you can get to London? In eight hours, they're just like, oh, I went over there, so yeah. I had to take my shoes off. I always think about what would it be like for the people who were taking a few of those first uh, airline flights um, anywhere. I mean, just yeah. going up in the air. You know, now we got a, a pretty good track record. It's still scary to fly for me. I have sure. a fear of flying, but but you know, there's it's there are many many more success stories than there are uh, failure stories with air travel. And and like, so I feel pretty safe now, and I've gotten over that fear. But but like in the early going, yeah. just to trust that those things were going to stay up there. Well, what's always funny is like, okay, when did we first fly? Fez was it like 1900 or something. Yeah, and then by the first World War. We had already wrapped a machine gun to the gun. So yeah. they were up there shooting each other before, I think, they invented parachutes. Yeah. This is how <laughs> crazy people are. That was actually one of the things that got me over my fear of flying was going to the, the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C., the yeah. Air and Space one. And, and they have this whole wing uh, dedicated to military uh, aircraft. And there was you would see all these planes that would take like major uh, artillery fire and, you know, a wing would come off or parts yeah. of the plane would come off and it would still land. And I thought, OK, well, if, you know, if if, if planes can survive that stuff, then then I'm going to have a little more faith in these planes that aren't you know getting shot at i always uh have you ever been to the museum at nasa and stuff like that no i haven't those original the mercury things are trash cans that they just load these guys these guys had metal right up to their face and were shot into space just held on and then came back and landed in that with that metal in the ocean and you're like insane. And they all weighed like 115. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were all pretty s slim guys. Yeah. Um, and we say that because the world isn't a safe place, but it's much safer than it's ever been. Oh, you yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yes. Uh, as we line up to talk about the last man alive, you've got to admit, in the history of the world, like you. Even if you lived around the time of cowboys, you would say to your kids, all right, go to school and give me a hug because you might get killed coming back and forth. Something could jump out of the bushes and just scrape your face off. So give daddy a hug. <laughs>
I mean, every time you left the house, it had to be terrifying. Yeah. What what I think about a lot is if this actually happened, what happens to like the nuclear weapons and stuff? Is there some? Do those just stay where they are? And or I just wonder: is there somebody who's supposed to type in a code every day that says like? You know, don't, don't just explode. stay in your yeah. Don't your explode. Area. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want you. Well, I know I've read stuff that if something happened like that, uh, power plants would start to blow because there's things that you have to do. Yeah. At power plants, I know the subways would fill up with water. Yeah. Those pumps. Run you saw life all after people, time. didn't you? Yeah, I think I, I did. I love that. I saw that. Did yeah, you see that? And, uh, yeah. yeah. And I was Great. just like, I yeah, and we just. The one thing you won't be able to show is how quick the planet will just start to take back over yeah. everything. Because yeah. again, that's that, that stays away from the romance of the story. Yeah, <laughs> you know that the guy's living in a mansion, yeah. and drinking tequila. But yeah, the the nature itself is an aggressive thing. Yeah, you know we're always told you're killing the planet, but the planet would also kill us. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it had the opportunity. Yeah. A lot of people think that's where, why, where the diseases come from. It's just Earth's kind of antibodies, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah? Because we're sitting here suffocating Earth that Earth tries to fight back as much as it can. Because yeah. there's too many of us. There's yeah. too many humans. Yeah. Uh, what is it? God, I was just... Oh, Leonard Nimoy died. Yeah, this was just this morning. Isn't that terrible? Oh, I didn't know that. We now live in a world without Spock. It's terrible. You never, ex- your entire life, you lived in a world that you had Spock. Zach uh, Kinto is still alive, so we uh, technically. He slapped that baby. You know what I mean? He slapped that little kid on Who his did? new show. Zach. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, wait. Oh, it's that. Slap. That's yeah. the slap in the slap. Yeah, he's the slapper. I haven't seen it. God, I've been so busy working, I haven't been able to see anything. You're going to turn the on. The Bachelor's. You're gonna... <laughs> Somehow I watched The Bachelor. I love it. You're going to turn on Zach when you see him lay oh, man. handed to that little kid. I know he didn't mean it. He'll he's explain intense. himself. But yeah, well, I guess we have Zach as our Spock now. Yeah. Hard That's, to believe. Oh, my God. Leonard Nimoy. He was so wonderful. And uh, In Search Of, right? In Search Of, we were just talking about, which was the same type of programming that would run, that young boys will always love that mysterious thing, you know? Yeah. And it was narrated by an alien, by a Vulcan. So that made it all the more great for a kid. Was he also in search <laughs> of uh, the like the I think Loch Ness he, monster and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think he might have even done the film in search of Noah's Ark. Yeah, that was like out in theaters. Oh, really? Yeah, because I think that was his brand. Yeah, I read this I didn't thing. Know they did a movie and movie form of that. Yeah. But see, Noah did. I mean, the only thing he really had was his own dogs. That was it. I mean, it kind of the story got blown out of proportion. He brought his dogs, and that's Wait, did it. Did you see the 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 movie Noah with Russell Crowe? No, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, did you ever see it? I haven't seen it. I saw it. I was just curious what your take is on it because I enjoyed it, but there were certainly some. So, I, my my uh, knowledge of the Bible is not. Uh, very complete. Right. I'll admit to that, but but the, I there were some stone creatures in there oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that I didn't know. Not in the them. Bible. Not yeah. in the Bible. See, no. Fez grew up. You were pretty much forced to read the Bible every day. Yeah, right? I've, yeah, I've read it cover to cover a How couple times. How many yeah. creature, stone creatures are there? Zero. That's weird. Well, there were some stone creatures in this. 
Now, was, and wasn't I still a, enjoyed the movie. I yeah. really liked it, but I was I was just curious if there was anything in the Bible that would even allude to something like that, which was, or, or if this was just like a complete. Uh, no, no rock liberty. people coming okay. to life. Okay. What was the whole plan of Noah, though? What what did everybody do wrong that God made it rain on everybody? It was just uh, everybody was into sin. Everybody was sinning. Everybody forgot God. They oh. were, uh, you know, worshiping other people. They were worshiping themselves. Look how great. We got too egotistical for God. I know. That happened to yeah. us in the 90s when we forgot about drag. You know what I mean? <laughs> it had to come back. Eminem had to bring back and remind everybody about drag. But the oh, the thing I remember with Noah's Ark, when I was a little kid, I was just like, where did the animal shit? Did they all have to hang their asses off the side? Did they just lie in their own shit? And then I remember them telling me, like, you're missing the point of Noah's Ark. <laughs> the thing is, the people are dead. And I go, yes, but the animals, they still, what did they eat? Why weren't they eating each other? Being a lazy child, I just found it uh, a good thing that he didn't have to get marine life. Like, he didn't have to build aquariums to keep two of every fish on board. <laughs> but everything, well, they, they were safe in the yeah, water. Yeah, they were fine. Um, but everything came to him. He didn't have to go out and catch it, Fez. Right, yeah. They it just, was just the, like, it, they just had this feeling. I mean, the best, the most we can understand it in modern times is Close Encounters, where you just start drawing the devil's tower in your mashed potatoes. You're like, I got to find this somewhere. I got to get there. I just recently was uh, out in when I I got to do that movie Nebraska, Unbelievable. and so I was in that area of the country and just barely didn't have enough time to get out to Devil's Tower, and that was such a bummer. I wanted to see that, but the reason I didn't have time was because I went to this uh, God, what is the name of that? The Occidental Hotel, which is where Butch Can- yeah. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid used to. Uh, hang out and hole up um, for a while and I think you know a bunch of presidents had gone there Teddy Roosevelt and it was oh it's the coolest place it was amazing Buffalo Wyoming yeah you uh, are you uh, an old west guy you like those things I'm with the the, well I I, I do I love that Mm -hmm. I don't my my memory is really bad one of my favorite classes I went to UCLA my favorite class was history of of the American West um and and uh, it, I don't remember much about it, but I do remember that those were the most captivating stories to me. What always kills me is when you look back at those old films, like the John Ford films. Th- that area is still there. Everyone is gone. All the people yeah. are gone. But if you go there, you're basically standing on that set. Nothing has changed out there. It looks yeah. exactly the same. So you step on to... A John Ford film like that when you get out there. Yeah. I mean, in the West, I think, for me, I actually think differently when I'm out in that part yeah. of the country. Uh, oh, wait, that just made me think of, have, have you ever, so you've been out there, yeah. you've, uh, Wyoming, another big Colorado. deal was seeing the uh, Mount Rushmore, yeah. and have you been to the Crazy Horse Monument? Yeah. That is... Insane. 
insane. And hearing the story, have you been to this? Do you, no. you know of it, though? The family I, is building this crazy horse money by themselves and just... Yeah, this guy. And, and, and yeah. in the very beginning, it was just this guy. Yeah. And he would, you know, they, you hear the story about him climbing up this mountain with his, his uh, hydraulic drill and he starts drilling a little bit and then and then the fuse blows or whatever he's got to hike all the way back down uh, you know plug the thing back in whatever whatever steps he has to take and then hike all the way back up and that's just every day for 50 years yeah or when something. i was there you just like leave if you're enjoying this leave a couple bucks you know it was like a kickstarter of just people <laughs> pull it off the road put it up shelves instead of sitting there because i was there like 15 years ago yeah. or so and it's much different now yeah. it's much yeah there was nowhere near that much done yeah when and, i was there and the craziest thing is it it looks so wonderful and precise and they do it with dynamite yeah you just do it blow off a piece of his face with dynamite because that's up close but you can see this from like miles away and he's going yeah. to they show you how he's going to be pointing off yeah into each, the distance. Each, the, his face is the size of one of the faces on Rushmore, mm. but it's going to be his body on the back of a horse <laughs> and like half of the horse's body. It's just going to be <laughs> enormous. It's going to take generations and generations to finish. Yeah. But that is like old. I'm sure like Egyptians were like, I don't know if you've seen these pyramids. And the Sphinx that they're working on, <laughs> but it's gotten weird it's over never, in Egypt. It's I'm never going to get ever, done. Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to finish. <laughs> uh, well, you—I mean, out of all the things, I mean, to come off Nebraska, which was uh, this award-winning film that you know, it's going. First of all, that film is going to outlive you. You know what I mean? Like that film is going to oh, be man. around for a long I was time. I'm so excited to get to be a part of that movie. Yeah, it was very unexpected. I I knew some heavy hitters that were in here before that that were telling me that they wanted that part. The part. Oh, really? Oh, wow. The part that you got, and I don't want to give away any names except for to tell you one starred in Full Metal Jacket. That's all I'll say. So, uh, I'll be honest. I think it helped that I'm not. uh, You know, it helped that I. Am not a uh, movie guy, really. Great, or? great actor, I no. guess, or whatever. <laughs> like the 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 you know to the fact that I was uh, you know not the most sought after yeah. person. Uh, I think worked in my favor. Maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. I I still have no idea how I got to be a part of that movie. But but uh, uh, you know, God, what a just a blessing that was. Well, you and Odenkirk did things in that film too that I thought were so. Amazing, like the fact that you both want that I know what you've done before that, and then see you only as those characters. That's always that weird thing that happens with yeah. a movie. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah, it was so fun getting to do that with him because I'd had an experience before where he he directed a movie I was in, so I had never got. He's one of my my comedy heroes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just Mr. Show and everything he's done. He's been a part well, of new, everything. Have you, have you seen wonderful. his new show, Better Call Saul? I still haven't seen it. I'm Dude, a huge love. Breaking Bad fan, but I've been yeah. so busy with Last Man on Earth that, that you know, it's all these episodes are waiting for me on, on TiVo, and I can't wait to 
get in there because I love him. Well, you know, to go out and shoot your thing. I don't. I, I watched your show and I don't know how you guys shoot it because it oh. looks like there are empty cities. You know what I mean? That's the well. The guys that I did the show with are, yeah. are uh, Chris Miller and Phil Lord, who did the Lego Movie and and Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street. So they, you know, they're they're so good with all the visuals and uh, i mean they're amazing in every aspect of it you should tell them never show people how we do it you know what i mean never show how it's done because it looks like you couldn't pull it off you know when you watch it you're like well that's impossible what we're looking at right now is impossible there's just way too many people you know maybe you could have done this in the 1930s but you (laughs) can't do it now um but it, it was for you to jump in back into TV after doing Nebraska, was that a conscious move or, you know? No, not really. I mean, this started as a, a writing thing. I, it, I was a writer before I was an actor. So I, I uh, uh, Chris and Phil approached me about writing something together. And as as we went through it, I, I really loved the story and loved the character. And um, I just thought, God, I, I think I... I want to, you know, if they'll let me, I want to be this guy. So they they wanted me to do it, and I was excited to do it. So yeah. it just made sense. I'm not going to give away. There's a couple of swerves that happened in the first couple episodes, but people should see them the same way I did. Uh, because cause th- the initial thought is, well, how long can this go on? But you guys already figured that. You already well, asked yourself that question we, early on. We had a plan from the very beginning. Yeah. We had a, a plan with, you know, as you'd know, some of the, yeah. some of the, the, I like the term swerves. Uh, yeah. And we, we have a number of swerves throughout. So it's, uh, uh, you know, we're excited for people to see it. We hope they, it's, it's probably a little different that they're thinking it'll be. Yeah, it would have in, in to be. Hopefully a positive way. Yeah, yeah. It, it would have to be because the first thing that you think you were like, okay, that could be a movie, but not a series. Yeah. But you guys have already, uh, worked out some of those kinks before you even jumped into it. But I, I, I still think one of the, I, I'm still going, all right, does he represent us today? Is this, the you know, is this us being wasteful, being, you know, assholes? Like, when you really think about it, some of the more disgusting things that he does, I think we could look around at ourselves today. Yeah, and look, his waste being wasteful and destructive is that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think a lot of that stuff uh, that you might have pulled from it was not a conscious right. choice on our part. But, but it is interesting now. I've gotten to the point where I've seen it a number of of times, and some of those themes do come out. It, it, maybe we unconsciously were making uh, making you know uh, comments on that stuff. Yeah, because there's there's no doubt that you look at this and you're repulsed by certain things, but then you, you know, look what we do, look what we've done and continue to do, even though we know better. Yeah. Um, all right, Fizz, give us the plug. The Last Man on Earth, starring Will Forte, that premieres with back-to-back episodes this Sunday, March 1st, on Fox, 9 p.m. Eastern. And then you can see Last Man on Earth at its regular time, 9.30 p.m. in the East, on Sundays on Fox. After that, go to fox.com. Nice position for you to be in on that Fox Sunday night, too, man. Oh, man. Yeah, I was so excited that they put us on, on Sunday, yeah. 
All right. Well, it's good to see you. We'll see good you next see you. time uh, coming through. Thank Best you very luck much. with everything. Thanks very much. But I've been low-key, hated on by most of these with no cheese, no deals and no G's, no wheels and no keys, no boats, no snowmobiles and no skis. Mad at me because I can finally afford to provide my family with groceries. Got a crib with a studio and a saw full of tracks to add to the wall full of plaques. Hanging up in the office and back of my house like trophies. Did y'all think I'ma let my toe freeze? Please, you better bow down on both knees. Who you think taught you trees? Who you think brought you the ODs? Ice cubes and DOCs, the Snoop Deal double G's, and the group that said the police gave you a tape full of dope beats to bump when you stroll through in your hood. And when your album sales wasn't doing too good, who's the doc that he told you to go see? Y'all better listen up closely. All you that said that I turn pop or the fur flop, y'all are the reason that Dre ain't been getting no sleep. So y'all, all of y'all. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel 99. This show is available on Sirius XM on demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash on demand for details. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits Channel Serrano Fire Show. On a Friday. I see V is running the board over there. Sweet V. Interns aren't even supposed to be running the board, but she's running it. It looks like when you let a kid go into the cockpit and just start playing. Yeah, see if you can steer this plane. I'm just going to point this out to everyone. Fez Watley was involved in the interview. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Fez is back. Fez is back. Fez is back. Fez is back. Do you really feel like you're back now, Fezzy? That felt really good with Will Forte. You know what you did that was smart? You left your TVs up. It brought that thing because he kept looking behind you at the TV. Brought up Spock... You had some Noah information. People are writing to me about it, how pleased they are that you were talking with a guest. Well, that's nice. He's a very, very nice person, too. Oh, and I'm not? Is that what you're saying? You're a great person. Okay. I love you more than I love Will Forte. What if we were both drowning? Who would you save? I would save you. What if I was drowning Will Forte? Who would you help drowned? Will Forte. Yeah. Just when he was leaving here, I go, Good job, but remember, we can drown you anytime we want, mister. Can you imagine if I killed the last man alive? Um, yeah, I do feel bad about Spock. Well, though, here's the deal with the, uh, the Will Forte show. Every show has to go into Sunday night. 
if you're not on Sunday night, they're not serious about you. You, I, I don't know what happened to the American public, but we only watch TV on Sunday. You wouldn't think there was room for one more show on Sunday night. I don't know if there is for me. I mean, I'm TiVoing 90% of them. You know, God forbid when there was a Sunday night football game. Really, I'm like, well, that cost me some TiVo time. Like a lot of times, I'm TiVoing late into the night because I'm not TiVoing, I'm DVRing. But I'm doing like the second and third showings of uh, what is the what's the Duplass Brothers ones? Togetherness on HBO. I didn't think I would get completely into togetherness. I am. And I'm walking down the hall today and I see the togetherness wife who also used to be the girl who stalked Charlie Sheen. You know what I mean? Remember her on the Charlie Sheen show? She used to climb over and she would be stalking him all the time. She married him on the show. Oh, and two and a half men. Yeah, not in real life. Uh, So there she is. But in real life, quite, uh, quite the face, quite the beautiful face. But did not he- come here. She was going to Entertainment uh, Weekly Radio. She was with Jason uh, Ritter's kid. It was all kind. Of, when I went uh, walked Will Forte out, there was just stars going in every which direction. Uh, I guess everybody's all freaked out over Leonard Nimoy passing away. Um, Here's what a lot of people are bitching about with Shelby, because you played the music on the way out for him. Yeah. You played an edited version, and they want to kill you for that. Look, I thought we were having a nice time. Why have F-bombs be flying everywhere? Because Fez said cunny earlier. He was so mad. I mean, once we've broken the cunny barrier, life is wide open. That sail is broken. Now, let me point something else to you, Fez, since Will Forte left. Mm Mm-hmm. You're sitting straighter, you're talking louder, you're looking prouder, you took a shot to get involved, and you feel good about it. Because Will Forte is a nice person. He's not like that cunt Benny who called in and she's snickering. He's not like that asshole Shelby. But I've had like five, six, seven hundred guests in here. You know that you're invited in every single time. I think you could have felt good about yourself five, six, or seven hundred times. It just felt like a more inviting situation. I'll tell you, I'm going to have Lisa Robinson come on to talk about, well, she's actually one of the great uh, rock and roll people of all time. She She's written about CBGBs extensively, but also Led Zeppelin. She was on the Stones' famous 72 tour that was the height of all debauchery. Uh, But right up to Eminem, Lady Gaga, you name it. I mean, Lisa Robinson's been there for it. She's gone back to talk about that 70s Canyon time. I'm talking about when Jackson Brown, Linda Ronstadt, the Eagles, uh, Warren, Zevon, that Poco... Even in before that a little bit with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, Mamas and Papas. I want you to jump into this one. Oh, I wouldn't I don't know anything about that. I'll give you some I'll give you some facts and just jump in with them. I w- uh, 
but I wouldn't even know what I was talking about. You won't need to. I just you'll do it because we'll just be people talking. I don't listen to any music. So you can ask some questions. You could say, hey, what was it about that time that made people listen to that music? Or what is so different about, you know, the canyons than than what happened in Seattle? Does the train... What happened in Seattle? With Nirvana and all that type of stuff? Like, why does one sort of music come from one part of the country, another part of the music come from another part of the country? You know, you hadn't heard of grunge? No, I thought you meant at the same time as what as like the Eagles and everything. Well, yeah, I mean there was always, there's always music at the same time. No matter where we're talking about, even if it isn't popular at the time. There's always music everywhere. You could say to her to Charlie Manson and the murders, did that change the way the people looked at California? Did that change the face of California? This is all stuff that you can jump in and be part of. Are you ready to do it? No, I do not feel comfortable talking to Lisa Robinson. Do you like making money? Yes. What if I offered $200 for every question that you asked? You asked five questions, you could go home with $1,000. That is very enticing. But... I will say this. You get to the sixth question, I'm going to jump over and start swinging at you. <laughs> Your fucking sixth question is, why are you hitting me so much? It's like reverse millionaire. I'm going to say this. No, but you top out. You know what I mean? Like anything else. I'll offer for you five questions, $200 a question, I was stopping at $1,000. In other words, I'm going to offer you $1,000 just to get involved in this today. $200 minimum for one question, no, for each question. What? I think we go five for five. Now that you bring it up that way, I was doing it because I was willing, I'd rather. Uh-huh. But if you think there's a chance I could get back out of this with donut, I'll tell you what. I'll go $2,000 if take the head of your prick out and say, how do you like Mr. Dicky Dick? I'm not doing that <laughs> to Lisa Robinson. $3,000. No, Mr. Dicky Dick is staying indoors. Um, and this is a woman who's probably seen everything. I don't know if that's true, Fez. I mean, you're acting like she's a whore now. Yeah, she's no. Not. She's a very nice and well-respected journalist. Uh, lots of stuff up on the iBank today, including David O. Russell apparently screaming at J-Law, and Harvey Weinstein showed up, and he got screamed at. David O. Russell is one of those guys that seems like he has a vicious, vicious temper. Well, we know this from when he was screaming at Lily Tomlin years ago. Uh, let's just play a couple minutes of that. I'm just trying to fucking help you. Do you understand me? No, no, I'm being a fucking collaborator. I'm just trying to help you figure out. Here, here. Hey, bitch. I'm not here to be fucking yelled at. I worked on this fucking thing for three fucking years. Not to have some fucking cop yell at me in front of the fucking crew when I'm trying to fucking help you, bitch. Figure it out yourself. Well, I have to figure it out. Yeah, yourself. Good. Why don't you your whole movie? Why don't you your whole movie? Because that's what you're doing. Act like a grown up. You're not a baby. You're a grown up. I'm here to help you. That's all I was doing. Trying to help you figure out. Do I yell it? Do I yell at you before right now
Just a lunatic the way he loses his temper. He could work for this show. He gets so crazy. Saw a lot of myself there in David O. Russell. You could have said the same about any of us. Anybody on this show. I think except for Shelby because, you know, he doesn't. He keeps it in till no one's in the room. And then. Yeah, uh, the. I. Not. Um, here's the thing I want to ask you, Fess. Do you want to make two G's? The two G sounds great. I'll change it to five G's if you draw a smiley face on your penis. Your pencil has to be the nose. Then you put two googly eyes and a big smiley face, and you're just saying, Here's Mr. Dickadick. Now, writing in that Fez saying what happened in Seattle made them drive off the road. Tim in Iowa. Timmy. Hey, what's up, Cuz? Yeah. Hey, I want to help Fezzy out with some questions. Uh, he can ask her if uh, she's happy that Simon and Garfunkel wrote a song about her and if Jesus really loves her more than you will know. The Advice Show. Get Fez involved. In the next interview. I loved you in that last one, Fezzy. Thank you. Now I feel like kind of the spotlight's on me for this Lisa Robinson one. Good. And I don't think I can go back and do the same Noah's Ark material. Why not? As a youngster, Lisa, I was so happy that he didn't have to get tadpoles and catfish. Can I freshen your your drink for you? That would be fun that you just keep freshening drinks and offering hors d'oeuvres to people <laughs> while they're in here. I think Lisa might appreciate that. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't like a nice hard-boiled egg while they're talking <laughs> on the air? Hard-boiled egg! Hard-boiled egg! Why don't you just start bragging about how strong your uncle is in the middle of what we're talking about? I saw my uncle one time rip apart a phone book with his bare hands. Let me tell you, that's some Canadian you don't want to fuck with, Lisa. I'll throw a forearm at anybody who comes into this door. I mean, there's plenty of stuff you could brag about. She should do an article on him. Uh, what's the big taxi story, Shelbo? A new Orleans lawyer was actually... Busted trying to seduce one of them. And there's a crazy video out now. Uh, so here's what happens. This chick, she's a lawyer. She tries to physically get involved with the taxi driver in a sexual manner. He videotapes her, and they end up in court today. And she claims that this guy tried to blackmail her with the videotape. So let's take a, a gander at this. Shelby stinks on the computer, doesn't he? Yes. I mean, he no, stinks. I have, to, I have to go to work. No, no, please, please. 
please. There's her no, little pussies out. I got to go home. Now you got me. No. And she's got home. his penis please out. Stop. I and is rubbing it. Seconds. No, I have to go. Two, two seconds. We went too far. This is no. Two seconds. Please, I have to. Are you serious? Yes, I have to go. You yes, I do. What is your problem? I have a girlfriend. Okay, that's good. And I love my girlfriend. Well, that's fine. And I'm honest and I'm devoted to her. Okay. All right, let's stop this here. All right, now here's the question. How devoted are you if you're talking about her while your penis is out and getting fucking janked by this chick, Shelby. This is what they do in porn when, like, the secretary comes in. He's like, "Oh no, the boss, he's gonna come in at any minute." But he's not like pushing her away. He has his hands behind his back. Right. He's not doing anything to push her away. He wants this. I appreciate him keeping both eyes on the road while all of this is happening. He's parked though. Oh, he's not driving. Hit some more. Okay, I need to find a place to drop you off. I'm right around the corner. I appreciate. Baby, 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 baby. No, I'm. Baby, it's okay. It's okay. I love my girlfriend. I... That's good. That's good. That's fine. Yes, and I. And I, I need love to... my boyfriend. Okay, well, I need to. Okay, okay. I need to drop you off and. Can you chill out for two seconds? You're hot. You're a. F- Marco, it happens. No, I, I'm, I'm a faithful man, and um, all right, stop it again. How faithful are you getting? Your fucking penis is out while she's got her hand wrapped around it. That doesn't seem, you know. Let's face if she was putting a cigarette out on his thigh, he'd be able to jump out of that fucking car. <laughs> if he doesn't want this. Why isn't he moving? It's like he's waiting for himself to come and then say, oh, look what you made me do. See, they never say blame the victim. I'm blaming the victim here. Boom. You could have done better as a victim. I think what he's trying to do is stop what's going on. He realizes he's made a mistake on his part, and he's trying for it not to get physical, where he has to put his hands on her, either to get her off of him or to get out of the cab himself. What would be? I'm with the driver. And so you used to think the smart thing to do is videotape it from a cock angle, and then... Uh, try to get sixty thousand dollars out of her later. That—that's the way a victim acts. This guy—he—he he wanted this to happen, but of course he wanted it. Yeah, there's no way. But he didn't see man enough to close it out. I don't know. Well, he could have just said, "Look, okay, I'm going to do this for you." But after that, I want to see double on the meter. Look, I videotape every cab ride. Let me turn the camera off for that, and then fuck her. Uh, some people are mad, Fezzy, about the $2,000 that you're going to be getting for the five questions. Why are they mad about it? Well, don't, they're saying, don't you get paid anyway. Why is Ron paying Fez just to do his job? Well, this has nothing to do with those people. That's a gentleman's wager between two friends. Yeah, but here's the deal. They're saying you should already be wanting to talk to people when they come in. And now here I am paying you. Two thousand. Uh, I mean, two hundred hours a question. Thousand mm-hmm. dollar 
top to that for you to ask your questions. More if you take your penis out. Yeah, I don't want to take my penis out in front of the guest. Five questions, Jibo? I don't know if I can do five questions, especially if the first question goes really, really wrong. All right, let's just pretend that I'm Lisa Robinson. So what I'm most proud about is that I got to talk to every member of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Joni Mitchell. I've got Lisa, to... did you have a... Do you see that I'm talking here, Fred? It's Fez. All right, my concentration has been thrown off. I was so proud of my article that I wrote. Now Fred is talking. This is every nightmare I ever have. What is it that you want, Fred? I was just going to say, did you have a favorite out of Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young? So what you thought is you would ask the stupidest question ever right when I was in the middle of telling a great story. That wasn't my plan. It just happened to work out that way. Okay, Crosby. Are you satisfied? It's Crosby. Is that what you wanted to know? What did you like? Is that what you wanted to know? <laughs> yeah. Why would you ask her, what is your favorite? It was the first thing I could think of when what she was I, saying. One of my favorite things in boyhood, and I can't believe I've never heard this in my life, is when Ethan Hawke says to his kid, there's no such thing as a favorite Beatle. And I'm like, whoa, fuck. My whole life, wherever I went, people said, what's your favorite Beatle? What's your favorite Beatle? And anybody would go, you know, I like John, but George seems to be... They they think of that person as being, you know, a pain in the ass. Favorite Beatles, Shelby? Paul McCartney. Anyone who doesn't say John Lennon can never be friends with me. And I'm fucking serious about that. I'm on Team Fez right now. Or Team Fred, as he's calling himself. That's Lisa Robbins. Well, no, it's not her. Are you going to try the what's your favorite Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young person? Not now, I'm not. i got to try to think of something else. Who's your favorite eagle? You're better off just slapping that dick on the table. Um, anyway, this disgusting video is up on the iBank today. Fuzzy, I just wanted you to look over here as I'm counting out. 100. Hey, that's a wad. 200. 300. 400. Should I keep going? I'm 500. Six hundred. Seven hundred. There it is. Eight hundred. That's a lot. Nine hundred. And one thousand dollars if anybody has a bobby pin. Anyone has a bobby pin right now? What was that fucking <laughs> stupid show? Let's make a deal. I'll give twenty-five dollars to anyone who wasn't a racer. First person who gives me a racer. <laughs> That's a thousand bucks. Sitting on the fucking barrel head, Fizzy. I see it right there on the, questions. on the console. What's your question going to be? Um, 
Where did the music all begin? <sighs> what do you mean? Where did the music all begin? I, the sound that she's talking about, which I'm not sure what it is. What does it all begin? <laughs> um, Mike in Pennsylvania. Hey How are you? Hey. hey, we all know that uh, Shelby favors Paul McCartney over Opie and Anthony. You know what? Enough time has got back. We should go back and pull that fucking clip. It's the first day Shelby ever got in trouble here. And he was kept off the air for months. I was so mad yeah. at him yeah. for fucking yeah. up everything. Where he's like, why would he do their show? Why? Why are you so quiet? Shelby, come up with a big topic for yourself. Enjoy. There's a uh, new pick of so we uh, we all watched the Oscars of Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, he won the best picture. He won best, the one. The he best won the pictures? best actor award for his role as Stephen Hawking. Did and now he's chance to talk over me when I tried to do some interacting. Go ahead. Now run with it. Well, now he has his first post-Oscar role as a transgender woman. This coming out, and they released the first picture of it, and. I don't. I don't think he. He looks even like better than most women do. I think he. I think he's pretty hot in this role. Well, didn't you tell us before that you really like transvestites? Yeah. Have you been with one? I have not. I haven't taken it that far, but I mean, I. If they all look like Eddie Redman, I might take a shot at it. So, if you're with a transvestite, what are you going to do? Sucker cock, or what's your, what's your plan with that? I'm sure you. Well. Maybe, like, I don't think I'd sucker cock. Probably, you know, like, tug on it a bit and then, you know, go take it from behind. But, I mean, uh, if Eddie Redmayne was a woman, I mean, but I he think he isn't a woman. He's a guy, and you're always telling us that you're, in, you're into guys dressed as women, right? Right. Why aren't you just into dries, guys dressed as guys, then? I mean, this is what answers so many questions right. about you. Well, he looks like a woman, and he looks like a woman in this more than most women do. I do not think that Eddie Redman would fool anybody. Really, I think he'd fool the majority, over ninety percent of people. I think, based on this photo, he looks like a, a woman to me, not even a transgender woman. Fez, what do you think? Um, I see Eddie Redmayne in a wig and lipstick. Right. Now, do you find yourself attached to transgender people? Is that a thing for you? No, I, I'm not attracted. I like guys, and I like guys that look like guys. Mm. And what would you call guys who like ladyboys or transgender uh, people? Um, I'm not sure what the word would I, I want to say, like, bisexual, but... Yeah, I guess bisexual would work there, since you are attracted to a man dressed as a woman. The man is still there in the equation. See, I, I have a nickname for that, and it's just gay. It's just flat-out gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I don't understand why every time Shelby comes to us with someone who he claims is hot, it's a man. Um... Here is uh, Tony. Tony, you're on the Run Fez show. 
Hey, Ronnie, for that thousand bucks, there better be some real thought behind these bullshit questions that he's going to ask. And furthermore, if I was you, doesn't Fezzi owe like 28 lunches to the staff or dinner? Yeah. He's fucking well on him right now. Well, he doesn't pay off a lot, but I'm going to put my money up there on it. Uh, hey, Turtle. Maha, buddies. Hey, Fezzi, I got a question for you. You could ask, if the shit hit the fan, would you want a lawyer, guns, or money? What about for you, Fez? What would you rather have, lawyers, guns, and money? I'll take uh, the money. But is that the thing that's going to get you out? Like well, if you were gambling in Havana and you took a little risk. Oh, that money could screw me up there. Who I, knows? I definitely don't want the gun. What if the gun was the only way to get you out? I t- I'd still try the lawyer or the money first. We Don't want anything. Always do. People are now writing in, Fez, you don't even know what a bisexual is. A bisexual means that they're um, attracted to both men and women. Right. Not just a uh, a man in a wig wearing lipstick. Here's uh, Carrie in Tucson. Hey, how you doing? Hey, buddy. Hey, I, this is the first time I've called. I've only been listening for about a month. Loving it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, two months, but the first month I was, like, on and off, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so now I'm listening full time. I'm thinking, damn, I just want to tell you is that I love your interviews. You're a great interviewer. Yeah, yeah. You really are. And uh, also, also, I'm really proud of you for mentioning Jenny Ledge last week. Oh, that was I a f- Yeah, that was I a f- May. Yeah. Yeah, because, because, man, I'm telling you, that's an obscure band, and it's an awesome album. Well, so, you know, that, that song was actually being played when Fuzz and I started radio. So it's always, uh-huh. yeah, Fez always calls, he always says to me, I'm your Jenny Ledge. And I'm like, you're talking really weird right now. you got to <laughs> stop it with that. Thanks, Gary. Thanks. Enjoy hey, yourself down there in Tucson. Um, so I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't know when she's coming in any minute now, Fez. That just made me nervous. What is, what's there to be nervous about? All right, people are also sending in Shelby's wise-ass fucking remark. About Opie and Anthony and Paul McCartney. I was gambling in Nevada. What's your favorite Warren Zevon song, Fez? Um, Desperados Under the Eaves? N- no, I don't know that one. Why not? The Werewolf Song. The Werewolf Song, it's called. The Halloween Werewolf Song, right? Yeah. Does that. Is this it here, your favorite song? This isn't familiar.
Lisa Robinson uh-huh. talking about music from California. Right, as which right I know now, nothing about. As of right now, do you want in or out? Right now, I don't want in. Okay, I'm going to take you out. You know why? I don't want you to feel nervous. I want you to feel chill. Like you're chillaxed. You know what I mean? That you're so chill, you're relaxed. Shelby, give me another big story for you to know. I need you to get involved in life. If you, uh, I was looking online, I saw that Kellogg's, they're like, they're completely shitting the bed with cereal. Well, what do you mean they're completely shitting the bed with cereal? All their sales are going down. Nobody's eating Kellogg's cereal anymore. No one eats cornflakes. Not like they used to. Do they eat Cheerios? Not as much as they used to in the old days. Uh, give me the, give me the Kellogg's, um, things here. I find this hard to believe that people do not eat cereal. Give me the Kellogg's lineup, what their cereals are. They have uh, Frosted Flakes, Mini Wheats, the Fruit Loops, your uh, Rice Krispies. Nobody's eating those anymore. Not like their their sales are down by like I think 8%. 8% does not constitute nobody. Eight percent is a hundred. Just so you know, a hundred percent is no one. I still have Kellogg's cereals at my house. What about you, Fez? I love Kellogg's cereals. They're the absolute best out of uh, General Mills, uh, Quaker Oats, whatever. I didn't know that you went up uh, that you branded them that way. Yeah, I just I think of it as cereal. It's just like I don't have a. I, I wouldn't say, oh no, I don't eat General Mills brands. What part of the day do you eat those? Different parts of the day. Sometimes morning, sometimes night. Because for me, cereal has always been a dessert. Like, I've never eaten it 
during the morning. Uh, do you know what a dessert is? Yeah, it's uh, like a sugary treat. No, for after- that's not what a, uh, a dessert is. Something that you have after a meal. Anyone who sat down and had lobster and then had some cereal would be a lunatic. <laughs> that's a crazy person. And that's when dessert is. Would you like a, a pie? No, just get me a bowl of cereal. That's never happened in the history of the world. Well, maybe like some lobster. That's pretty high end, but high end. But like after like some lasagna, you have might you have ever a- been to an Italian restaurant. I have. You know one that serves cereal for dessert. They should serve cereal. No, and no, like- no, no, no. You just you already said you called it a dessert. It's not. It's you know a snack food or a breakfast food. It has all the makings of a dessert. It tastes like sweet a lot of the times. It's sugary. The only, I think the milk is what's throwing people off. That, but they we need to embrace it. I'm going to tell you something else. Put, I'm kind of sickened by people who eat dry cereal, like somebody who eats cereal like a snack out of their hand. I I feel like cutting those hands off. I'll eat it out of the box. Thank you. But I'm also still sickened by the thought of a lobster you, dinner washed down with a milky bowl of cocoa puffs. This is what also grosses me out about you. You just said I'll eat it out of the box, meaning he's going to take his filthy hand, stick it in the box, eat, and then the rest of us would be pouring cereal out. You pour it into a bowl. I think we've been conditioned, though, our whole lives to think of it as a breakfast cereal. If it had just been introduced... I've never seen anybody who said, who, "Who said, oh, I would never have cereal when I came home from school, or I would never have cereal late at night. We know it's a snack food. Children tend to eat it for breakfast more than grown-ass adults. When you're an adult, you'll move on to like an oatmeal or something. It ain't enough. It's not enough to be the most important meal of the day for an adult. And now, instead of like busting out some cake or even a pie, take out some bowls and milk. That's you're what we making need to a do. thing up, and this is what this is what is frustrating with you when you say you have an idea. You thought it was a dessert already. Yes. And now you won't stop pushing it as a new idea. Instead of just admitting you're a fucking lunatic, and you yeah, come on in. Hey, sweetie, I didn't see you there. It's Michelle. We were just showing at Shelby. He thought cereal was a dessert. <laughs> Something to have after steak. That NPR show? He's out of his mind. Well, yeah, that's kind of weird. It's a, it's a sweet, sugary food. Did you do it at your house? Yes. Did your parents see you? Yes. And they didn't get mad? They're stewing on the inside, probably. But. but here's the thing I would say to my son. Why are you eating cereal? We just had nice <laughs> meal for you. And you're filling up on cereal. You would think that that kid had bad eating habits. Uh, Looking you, at Shelby, I think there might be some bad yeah. eating habits. Shelby is anorexic. Bulimic anorexic. A dream I've often carried. You want to be anorexic oh, yeah. and bulimic? But I couldn't. No, no willpower here. Yeah, but you know what? Just make yourself throw up or be a cutter. Oh, so many choices. I was a cutter back in my when I was a teenager, but only to other people. <laughs> you would cut felt, her. Yeah, I just felt every day. I just had to jab her a little bit on the thigh. 
Just a little, little blood. Um, Frank, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Frank. Fez mentioned that macaroni was an appetizer. Yeah, I don't know what Fez says about food either. Yes. I mean, he just says that Fez also said he sticks his hand into the cereal and eats it dry out and then makes the family eat out of the rest of his <laughs> stank fingers that have been in there. Somebody got so angry in our um, kitchen upstairs because uh, people were using their stank fingers, <laughs> as you just said, um, in the ice bucket. Yeah. The communal oh. ice bucket. Now, why do you say, oh, you do it with cereal, and we see how much you pick at your mustache. All day long, he's <laughs> giving so the stash true. a tug. He's giving the stash a tug. Making it grow. Because that's not family. That's strangers. Why would you want to force it on your family? <laughs> your family should have to get your stash dandruff in their cereal. Stank they don't have the stash. same hand germs. No, no, we don't. Um, I liked it when your uh, mustache was colored. Not African American, like the color, color those colors. Does anyone remember? No. Yeah, I do. Like when you did it, uh, the gay flag. Yeah. The oh, flag. the pride colors. That was fun. How long did that take to dry out, Fizz? That took a. I think that took a couple months before. Did you use Kool Aid? I would love to see you color that mustache, and start wearing a shirt that says "I fuck kids," and then get on <laughs> buses in New York. <laughs> Please. Please. And also get on with a rifle. <laughs> I don't think I'd have to color the mustache to get attention with the rest of the outfit. <laughs> I still like it that way. But on the back it says, I fuck dead people, too. Uh, like in that movie. That right. little kid in that movie. He would be the one you fucked. I don't think you're a pederast if the person is dead. Right. It's just a ghost. I How think come I'm prob- you're not in L.A. with the rest of your show? Look at me. Why would I be? I'm not an L.A. girl. Yes, you are. You're an L.A. girl. G-U-R-L. Rawr. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought that the movie, and I don't know why I have to tell you this, and I yeah. might have even said it before, that the movie Ghost was called Ghost Believe because of the um, the poster for it. Let's see the poster for Ghost. I I don't think you ever did. Uh, say, so you mean Dead Heat? Yes, I mean, that was a wonderful dead movie, but... Uh, Ghost. I don't see any believe on there. You got it. It's at the bottom. No, not that one. Believe. Or maybe I thought it was Believe Ghost. I don't know. Either way, I was... And then I would be like, are you going to go see this new movie? Ghost Believe? Yeah, and people were like, what are you... You must have been adorable. I was... Like the dumb girl in school. I, I hate this word, but I was adorkable. Oh, oh, that is a nice one. I always thought Fez... Hey, by the way, Fez was involved in an interview today with Mr. Will Forte, and he hung in and was part of the thing, and it was great, and I enjoyed it, and Will enjoyed it, and I noticed like if Fez would get quiet, Will would pull you back into it. I was so angry that I didn't come in then. I really was like... You loved it? I love him so much. You should have uh, been here. You'd love him even more. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys see... Uh, not the movie that I'm thinking of, so I'm going to drop Nebraska? that. Nebraska? That's the movie I wasn't thinking of. How uh, great was that, though? MacGruber? <laughs> Which one do you mean? He did ne- Mag- uh, Nebraska was really interesting movie. I want to actually go back and see it again, but I thought Bob Odenkirk was like the first time I was ever like, oh yeah, I have to say to myself, that is Bob Odenkirk. Did you know Will Forte wrote for the Jenny McCarthy show? 
I know he wrote for a lot. He wrote for Letterman. He wrote for... He wrote for, you know, Letterman is a young guy. What did he write for the Jenny McCarthy show? One of the many Jenny McCarthy shows, he was a a writer for it. It might have been the NBC one. NBC. Shelby's going to find out right now and get to the bottom of it. Or his name isn't Cereal Dessert. (laughs) Um, It's such a weird, uh, it's got Shelby and, and Chris... What happened? Did we we fix? Shall, uh, Chris has he Chris has actually moved into the position that you used to have as corporate guy liaison to um, Don. The just, yeah, just really doing some great stuff. And Shelby has moved into this room as all your stuff has been going great lately, right? Yes. A plus Killing fireworks it? everywhere. But, but I mean, none of you you haven't uh, screwed up any replays. Um, no, not not lately. No, nope. well, you, you've got one to spare, so just relax. Yep. I had to. The reason I was late was because I was fixing the today's show. It went too long with music at the end, which we can't do on our channel. Your show today? Yeah. So you actually, instead of handing in a fucked up version, you fix it. I feel like I might be walking on some kind of explosive thing if I answer that correctly. I got news for you. I none of that stuff bothers me because I'm already home by then. Yeah, you're not. You're but, not re-listening. Yeah, the bosses worry about it because oh. it screws up their timetables. They love time. And they'll say to me, "What happened on that thing?" And I go, "Don't know. Don't care." I How's did the that show. Sound? I'll do my jokes. I'll say my shit. I get out. I get out there. Fezzi, what are two things that you're going to say to Lisa Robinson? Um, congratulations on the Vanity Fair article. Right, nice. That is not a question. Oh. He's been offered $200 a question, up to $1,000 if he can ask five questions. I'm trying to keep things going with him. You, you get money for it? Yeah, but I don't know anything about music. I don't know. Who the fuck can then ask about music? Ask her what she does in her music. By the way, all you would have had to do is read this article. You know what guest is coming in. This is just an article. It's not even a book. Yeah, but I mean, even reading it, I wouldn't know still what the important things are to ask about it. But how do we learn? We do what? We read, right? Learn the thing. You know what guest is coming in. And you decide to yourself, oh, I don't want to know anything about this guest. Why not read that article, have five questions, thousand dollars. Thousand bucks, I'd do it. Uh, to be fair, Vanity Fair articles are kind of book-like. Guess what? What? This is the oral history, so it's just little interview pieces Ooh. thrown in. It's fun to read. It's like that SNL book that you love so much. I love it. That I Tom Shells does. Love it. Hug it. That could be you, Fez. And then... You could be like this. Is it true that uh, David Crosby and Stephen Stills are the only Americans in Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young? And then you let her go off. And let her answer. Okay. And then you could, when she answers and you find what she says unsettling or you don't understand, you can ask follow-ups. 
or There's just two like questions. this? What? <laughs> That's a question. Yeah. What is but always what? a question? <laughs> what? <laughs> but, 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 what did you say? Question. <laughs> what? I don't understand you. Explain. Bullocky. I don't know if I ask, could you please clarify your answer if that question. counts as another question. question. Wait, you have to answer, ask it with a, an up at the end, and then it's a question, no matter what. Could you please cl- uh, clarify your answer? Yep. I don't, I'm, it's not my She'll money. be here in a couple of minutes, Fess. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm getting more and more nervous as the clock is ticking closer. I'm getting nervous, too. Are you going to ask five questions? $1,000. With five questions, you get $1,000. Four questions, you get nothing. Six questions, you get nothing. you got to ask five <laughs> questions, $1,000. And, and we go over. What if, she's, what if I ask a stupid question and she goes, what do you mean by that? And it's number five and I have you to re-ask bail. it as number six. Bail, brother. You walk Talking out the studio. Bail. You unplug, you do not bow, you walk off the stage. Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! Are you ready for this? You know exactly what I mean. I don't need your clarification. No, just leave. Don't even leave. Oh. Don't sit there and say things like that. Right. And take off your shirt when you leave and throw it at her. And say, I won't need this gay shirt anymore. I'll be wearing golds. Like that gold dress that might be black and blue on the internet. What, what color do you think it was? I thought it was gold and white. Yeah, everybody, right? Blue and black. United? Blue and black. Blue and black over there. Yeah. Blue on black. Really? Be more specific. All right. So there's psychologically things behind it? Yeah, I mean, this is people that would hurt elderly they're, people. They're See, broken blue and black. people. Yeah. These are people with either a bad eye strain, a brain tumor. Brain tumor. Or a film over their eyes, a filthy film. My cat has a film over one eye because of, uh, well, where he came from, the streets. And I want to fix it, but it's so expensive, so he's just blind in one eye because of my lack of love. Why don't you put a patch on his eye and say this is a pirate cat? Anyone who fucks with them gets a hook. <laughs> that's that's the next step. But then I had to buy the patch. And you know I'm cheap. Yeah. Well, you get a Siamese cat with their Asian eyes. They're cross-eyed. Me a Siamese, if you please. We are Siamese, if you don't please. Those fucking cats really got on my nerves. What movie think... is that from? Aristocrats? Cats? No, that's a Thousand and One Dalmatians. Isn't that from that one? Yeah, I thought it was what Lady and the say? Tramp. All right, we've got three things. What is it? What is it, Shelby? Don't get the cartoon for us. Find out where it's from. Find out every fact about it. Who like, wrote it? Looks like that is Lady and the Tramp. Right, like with David Sanborn. Can we hear where the party will be at? Because you're right, please. Where's the party, Fezzy? Party at the Moon Tower. 
Party at the Moon Tower. Party at the Moon Tower. Party at the Moon Tower. Party at the Moon Tower. Why don't you just do that other? Party at the Moon Tower. Party at the Moon Tower. Ask one of your questions, Fez. How long does it take you to write an article like this? She's not answering me back. She's not here yet. Oh. Did you think she was here? No. So you're going for a serious thing. You're going for a serious interview. Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what to joke about. How about her height? Please don't do that. It hurts. How about joke about the fact that her parents passed away? You're going for some comedy, fun. man. <laughs> yeah. Edgy comedy. Edgy. I mean, it's the 90s, dudes. Was it cancer? Because that makes it funnier. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be one of my questions. Why not? It's just Was a- it cancer? $200. What do you care once you get in that <laughs> thick Jibo right on the barrel head? <laughs> if what- I ask about cancer, that's going to have to be question number five. If it's question number one, she may not want to answer the next four. It don't matter none. You just laid down the questions. You just lay down salad. Why don't you ask about some of the groups? See, that's the thing that you got to understand. She's obviously passionate about this thing. Right. You jump into the passion. Think of how many of those people. We've had Graham Nash on the show. We've had Jackson Brown on the show. We've had J.D. Souther on the show. We'd love to have any of the women, though. Get the ladies in the house. All the ladies in the house. Hey, did you see who was in here today? What's the woman's name that I'm th- talking about, Fez, from that uh, the Blast Brothers show? From Togetherness? It's Melanie something. Is it Melanie Hudson? From SNL? I want to say Melanie Lewinsky. But that Why sounds that too sounds close, like, like Monica Lewinsky. Who has a... Monica. What color was her dress? I got a great idea for you, Fez. Why don't you ask her about wrestling? That's a topic you know about. You ready for WrestleMania, Lisa? There you go. Question mark. What's wrong with that? Bring up some wrestling things. What would you ask? Linsky. Linsky? You got a Finsky? I don't know this Melanie Linsky. Wait. She could probably play you in the movie. In the movie version of your life that we're trying to put together. Really? Or for Fez? I get uh, Elizabeth Moss a lot. Elizabeth Moss. Flathead just wrote to me, fuck, I have 20 questions for her for my hospital bed. What the fuck is with Fez? I wish I was there. Flats, two weeks to go before he's out. Wow. He's actually sending questions in now. Because you're not going to pay for him. Mikey D said that he would love to have this deal. I guess I'm going to have to open it up to those guys if Fez doesn't do it. You can do it, Fez. Who would you rather see get the thousand? Flathead or Mikey D? Flathead. Isis or Mikey D? Isis. See, that's 
Wow, Mikey D, I'm sorry. Still, it makes it feel like he's not in this with the rest of us. He would give up a, 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 an attack on ISIS so he could just get to Mikey D. And he'll behead you, those ISIS people. He, there's just one of them. How come none of those ISIS people ever kick? I mean, when they're getting beheaded, why aren't they kicking back or trying to roll away? Yeah, why just, they, just, they just take it. Yeah, they just sit there and take it until their head gets chopped off. And that's done when it's yeah. done. They're probably such in shock. Like, I just had to stay away from this one part of the world. Why couldn't I have done that? <laughs> right, but even when you're in, like, do you ever see a movie? Harrison Ford's never in shock. He's coming up with something in the last second. I don't know if these guys would ever even know how to react if somebody got up and started running. They've never seen it before in their own videos. We all need writers. Yeah. Oh, I think opiates are big in that part of the world. They probably do that so they stand still, maybe. Oh, that's a good idea. I mean, what Next makes time you think I... that opiates are big there? What opiates grow in the sand? <laughs> they love opium in the Middle East. This is why they hate us. <laughs> these guys... Do they don't not do any drugs. They, you got them fucking confused with Burma. I can't believe that ISIS would cut someone's head off, but be considered enough to offer you a sedative beforehand. <laughs> I think it's just for them, so they don't have to drag their whole crew out there to chase someone down in the desert if they decide to run. Um, here's some people bringing up questions you could ask. What does a mouthful of cum taste like? <laughs> How in God's name, The Eagles' Greatest Hits continues to be a best-selling album year after year. That is always confusing. That's a good uh, question. That album just sells and sells and sells. And if you turn on terrestrial FM rock every day of your life, you will hear Hotel California. People have never gotten tired of Hotel California. It's, it just proves the song right. Once you're in, you're in. You never get out. You're never getting out of that. But hotel. how does a DJ do it? You just be like this. Uh, and once again, because we need it daily, like a vitamin, like a one-a-day vitamin, here's Hotel California for at least the 10 millionth time on this station. Boing. You got the fingers. What? Again? Again we're playing this? Didn't we just play this an hour ago? Every hour on the hour. Hotel California. You'll never know what time it is. It's the same opening that you've heard a million times before. And we'll play it a million more times right here on FM Rock Radio. The same 50 songs since 1978. And none of you knuckdraggers ever get tired of it or ready to listen to new music. One celebrity does Rising up in the air Up ahead in the distance I saw a shimmering light Heading in the night grew dim I had to stop for the night There she stood in the doorway 
I hope you assholes are satisfied with this. It's Hotel California again. This could be hell. Venture propaganda. And she showed me the way. Still. There were voices that got to die. I got to hear them say. Welcome to the Hotel California. Such a lovely place. Such a lovely place. Such a lovely face. Such a lovely face. <laughs> the Hotel California. Any time of year. Any time of year. You can find it here. You can find it here. Why? Why? Do they have to hear this song over and over? Ladies and gentlemen, you all even own this song. And yet you still want to hear it on FM Rock. Hey, Benny. Bernie. Bernie in Boston. Yeah, hi, Ron. How you doing? Uh, hey, I'm all right. Yeah. The question I had was with, with Fez not liking or ever listening to music. I don't understand that phenomenon. I've only run into very few people in my life that genuinely don't listen or like music. I don't know if they dislike it. They just don't have any interest in it. And I don't. I think it might help Fez if he kind of tried to leave. The Advice Show. Exactly. Fez, would you think about trying it? I've tried listening to music. I, it just, I don't hear it. You realize that you work in radio, though, right? Yeah. Auditory. This is from uh, early in your life, as all your life, never had any interest in it. No, I've never, I've never, like, listened to music. Like, yeah, gone out and bought an album life, and just true. put it on? Yeah, I, I only went to very few people in my life that you, know, you find the same uh, situation you are, that never had an interest or inclination to listen to music. And it just seems like a, I don't know, it must be a neurological thing or something that people don't have that desire to hear it. I mean, it's a, the advice show. Uh, David, North Carolina. Hey, what's up, cousin? Hey, cousin. Hey, uh, just as much as I hate to admit it, Shelby was actually right. It's uh, Afghanistan is the number one producer of poppy. They're not in Afghanistan. Poppy. ISIS is not in. We all know where they're Poppy everywhere. Comes from. In the Middle East, but they're I in Syria. Know every time he smokes opium, another Christian gets his head cut off. Look, people love opium. It's got nothing to do with that, and I'm not even sure it's the same dudes. Those cool warlords are growing the opium thing. Right. Well, and would you, I mean, Fezzi, Do you consider Afghanistan the Middle East? No, I consider no that further Asia. questions. No further questions. <laughs> Shelby, you're still wrong. Uh, we got to go to break here, and then Fez, it's up to you right now. Do you want to do the Lisa Robinson? Yes or no? I, I yeah, I want to do the Lisa, but I'm too nervous no, to do it. No, I don't want to do it. So a thousand dollars. He had me like, yes, I want it. I'm like, oh my god, here we go. But the answer is yes or no, Fess. No, I'm not going to be able to do that. No. It's too intimidating. Then I guess I have to hand this $1,000 to Lisa. She's the winner. Or I just thought of something else. I could give that money to charity. Nah. What I'm going to do is just put it back in my wallet. And then... Take it out every once in a while in a fucking tranny and go, now who's the baller? 
Who's the fucking baller? And you kids want to try for this? All right, so we got to go to break. Uh, then we'll be. Michelle, I always love it when you come in. Thanks for having me. You don't do it very much anymore, though. Well, I always, I, 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 I would love to come in anytime. And you stop caring about unmasked, but Never. at least we know that you're, you know, you're around somewhere and you're doing great work, and that's fantastic. I wouldn't go that far. But yeah. All right, break time. When we get back, talk about the L.A. Canyon scene of the 1960s and 70s with, seriously, a great, great writer, Lisa Robinson from Vanity Fair will be here, and I, I just love her so. So we'll break right back. You're listening to Ron and Fez Show. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Comedy. It's Channel 99. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash on demand. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits, Channel Mamas and Papas with Young Girls Are Coming to the Canyon, and we're playing that, of course, because Lisa Robinson got really late in career mellow on us. We never would have expected you first to do all, this piece. First of all, not mellow. No. <laughs> These were not mellow people. In yeah. fact, in the piece that I just had published in Vanity Fair on the oral history of Laurel Canyon, Peter Asher said to me, everybody said these people were mellow. But half of them were taking cocaine and right. water drugs, and they were not mellow people. Some of the music was mellow. But a lot of them were like, and it comes out, were real killers when it came to marketing themselves and the music. And, um, you know, I've seen stuff where even Jackson Brown's work ethic is pretty extreme what how long he'll take to write a song you know it was very interesting because i really was one of these new york writers who had one foot 
on the road with CBG, uh, with Led Zeppelin and yeah. the Rolling Stones, and then the other foot was in CBGBs with the punk rock scene at the beginning of the 70s, Lou Reed, David Bowie. And I thought all that music coming out of California was granola, hippie, laid back, mellow mm-hmm. music, soft rock. And if people would say to me, do you want to go see a concert by Crosby, Stills, Nash? And I, Ahmed Erdogan used to say this, and I'd say, no, I think I could sleep at home, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> and I was such a snob about it. It yeah. really was unfair, actually. And then much later on, around three years ago, I thought, Americana. What is Americana? You know, this term that started, it's, it was like a free-floating term that covered everything from what T-Bone Burnett was doing to Mumford and Sons. I mean, yeah. and uh, Alison Krauss and Robert. And I started looking back at a lot of this music and I thought this was a scene. This spawned so many amazing talents. People are still working today. Mm-hmm. Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, who I always thought was genius, and she's genius. A, and she's a friend. And Joni and I always got along great. Um, we were united in our distaste of Madonna was the first <laughs> thing, and then the next thing was she's a great drinker and a smoker, and so we always hit it off. And I just thought. I really want to write about this scene because I like writing about scenes. I mean, I, and I, I think there's nothing more interesting in any art movement than the original scene because normally the people who start the scene don't become the famous ones or as famous. Well, that happened. Mm, it happened a little bit, not so much with CBGBs because all those people did eventually end up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame except. The New York Dolls, who did start the whole thing. As yeah, far. the New York I'm Dolls, concerned. or not Johnny Thunders, I don't think. Is. Yeah, no, and the, they were the ones who influenced right. everyone in London, and then subsequently CBs. But I did an oral history of Motown for Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. I got very, very friendly with Barry Gordy, and I talked to him for hours and hours and hours. I did an oral history of disco, which I actually lived through, st- Studio 54 and that whole time. And I just thought, this is something that's pretty alien to me because I never lived in Los Angeles. I don't know how to drive. I grew up in New York City. We never had a car. So I didn't understand that whole California driving music. But I started to go and talk to some of these people. And one of the first ones I interviewed was Stephen Stills. And Ahmed Erdogan had always told me he was a great guitar player, but I didn't really pay attention. I mean, I had been around... Jimmy Page, Keith Richards, you know, um, every great, Johnny Thunders, every great guitar, Tom Verlaine, um, so many great guitar, Eddie Van Halen, so many great guitar players, really, and great old blues guys. I had seen Muddy Waters, I met Howlin' Wolf, I hung around with Hubert Sumlin. So to me, thinking Stephen Stills, really a great guitar player, but I went to his house He took me into his studio. He showed me his guitars, his amps, all these vintage things. He started telling me all about the different influences that were in his music and what started and what happened with Buffalo Springfield and what happened with Crosby, Stills, Nash and what happened with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And we talked for about four hours and I was hooked. Yeah. And he said to me, 
Well, it wasn't Paris in the 20s, but it was a very vibrant scene. And so from that on, I talked to Linda Ronstadt and Michelle Phillips and Lou Adler. And in this story, Graham Nash, David Crosby, David Geffen, Elliot Roberts, who don't do interviews. Those guys kind of created the business. They they did change the entire business model for rock and roll. If you go back to look at that period the the way they started to arrange concerts and tours and stuff none of that stuff had been done in the 60s but suddenly became a real business yes know? and also they were very artist friendly because mm-hmm. even though they were considered sharks they would kill for those artists and when the troubadour for example wouldn't play one of their artists david says well we opened our own club so right. we could give our artists a better deal and they weren't you know, hung up with these draconian contracts. And they all hung out together. That's the thing in this piece that I really wanted to get across. They slept together. They took yeah. drugs together. They wrote songs together. They crashed on each other's floors. They all went out there from different parts of the world. Joni and Neil came from Canada. Stephen Stills was Texas. Chris Hillman, I think, was, I don't know, remember. From Graham where. Nash was part of the British invasion. <laughs> Graham, in the Graham Nash was with the Hollies, yeah. and he hated being with the Hollies because they didn't want to record his songs. Yeah. And so he was liberated. Mama Cass put a lot of these people together. And um, Irving Azoff, when he took over with the Eagles, he's still managing the Eagles, you know? And it's like, it was a very tight, closed scene of people, but they were very open to helping each other. The Eagles were Linda Ronstadt's first backup band. Yeah, You know, Linda recorded J.D. Souther's songs. She lived with him also. I mean, it was... It was an incestuous scene in the sort of romance department, but more importantly, music. And the music really has lasted. The 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 love affairs broke up, but the music has lingered on. Yeah, it is really true that that kind of period of music. All these guys can still tour. All these guys can still feel fill arenas, some stadiums. I mean, when the Eagles go out, it's a major, major thing. People that wouldn't go to. Crosby, Stills, Nash uh, shows caught on to the next wave, which was, you know, the Eagles. But, you know, you were bringing up Geffen. That that was the first generation, if you had a record company, that you got the singer and songwriter packaged together. So it made really a lot of business sense to be artist-friendly because you owned it all. Once you got those guys. Yeah, I mean, there were some lawsuits eventually Mm -hmm. to get some of the publishing back. But David said to me that he never had contracts with them. If they wanted to leave, they left. Um, Also, I mean, it's funny because they all contradict each other a lot. Sure. You know, they remember things differently. Stephen Stills remembered that he, Graham Nash, and David Crosby, he couldn't remember where they sang for the first time. Joni Mitchell told me it was at her house. Graham Nash said it was at her house. Stephen still swears it was at Mama Cass's house. So as you read the piece, it goes through with somebody saying one thing and then the next person, yeah. you know, contradicting them. And then the next person saying he's out of his mind. That's not how it happened. So, you know, that was particular fun for me as a writer to take what essentially was close to a thousand pages of interview material and try to edit it down to, I would say it's about 25 manuscript pages. It's about eight pages in the magazine. But the material that I got from these people and Joni 
was the funniest because there's no way you can get in touch with Joni unless you send her a letter to her wow. house. She has no email. She has no answering machine. She has no assistant. So I had sent her a letter and I said, Joni, I'm doing this piece. And of course, you are the queen of the whole thing. And everybody talks about you. And I'd like you to talk to me about you yourself. And I didn't hear from her. I didn't hear from her months and months and months went by. And I talked to everybody else. I mean, I talked to over 30 people for this. And finally, I was resigned to just putting it without Joni. I was upset and sad, but I thought I'll do it without Joni. And I was almost finished editing and writing the piece. And the phone rang one day. And it was Joni on the phone. She said, hi, am I too late for your project? Mm. I said, Joni, I wrote you that letter like a year ago. She said, I'm sorry, I've been in Canada and I was sick and I just got home and I just started to go through my mail. She said, okay, what do you need? I said, well, tell me your Laurel Canyon story. And I ran to get a tape recorder, plugged it into the wall. I still use analog Sony cassette machines. And she started at the beginning and she talked for over an hour and took me through her whole experience, lucidly, coherently, chronologically accurate. And she was fabulous. It was amazing. And then I thought, okay, that's it. I've got her. I'm done. Yeah, there is. I mean, as far as Joni Mitchell, they were all in all of her abilities. And there, I don't know if there's ever been anyone before or maybe even since that has been the great artist as well as the great muse. You know what I mean? Well, first of all, she was beautiful. Yeah. So all the guys were in love with her. Second of all, um, she was a muse and she was a great artist, but she never thought of herself as a girl folk singer. You know, she was very enraged at that kind of thing. I think Joni to this day still thinks of herself as a jazz musician. You know, she's, she does very, very complex, strange chords and tunings. And she did tell me some stories that she would be in a room with people and she would sing a new song and all the guys would just kind of stare at her and nobody would say anything. And then Bob Dylan would sing a song and they'd all like slather all over him. Mm. And so she said that there was a bit of that sort of misogynistic boys club thing going on there. But once again, in this piece, they all contradict each other because J.D. Sather said it was a boys club. Bonnie Raitt said it wasn't. Linda Ronstadt said it wasn't. If you could play Hallelujah, that's all anyone cared about. Um, Joni said she felt that people admired her because they knew that she had a good, I think it was either a right or a left hand, I can't remember. There's a picture of Eric Clapton and David Crosby sitting on a lawn looking at her playing guitar and just staring at her. And Stephen Still said that she just intimidated him. And when I talked to Cameron Crowe also, who's friends with Joni, he said she was like the queen of that scene because... David Crosby would sing her a song like Guinevere or something, and he'd say, I'm so proud of this. Isn't this great? And she'd go, yes, David, let me play you these four songs I just wrote. And he said, well, there was no contest. You know, yeah. hers, hers was so awesome. Well, it's all so unique. There's no one else who wrote like that. You know, I mean, it was just different. If nothing else, it was completely different. 
um, certainly soulful. Uh, I want to remind people that you can read this article, An Oral History of Laurel Canyon, the 60s and 70s music mecca, in the March 2015 issue of Vanity Fair. And you need to pick up There Goes Gravity, which is a lot of Lisa's great rock and roll stories. This is going to be in paperback. April 7th. April 7th in paperback for those who still buy paperbacks. And I must say, I do see some young people on the subways reading paperbacks. They're not just all playing games on their phones. Well, you know, they don't give out paperbacks to everybody who writes books now, too. You know, it used to be. Oh, really? Yeah, whatever you do it. And then, but you've got to sell oh. so many copies before they trust a, a paperback to go out there. But I think that these, this, these stories that you've managed to capture, and I think it is important to capture this. And I love the fact that there's this kind of the fog of anti-war, which, you know what I mean, at the same time, people not remembering exactly, still there's a thread of truth that rolls through everybody's memories. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to do this and one of the things that struck me was that the music was insidiously political. Because even though the Buffalo Springfield song, you know, for what it's worth, yeah. um <laughs> which I can't remember if it was Ahmed or Stephen Stills told me. Stephen doesn't really remember it. But apparently they were playing Ahmed Erdogan some songs for the Buffalo Springfield album. And at the end of the session, he was about to walk out. And he said, oh, wait a minute, Ahmed, just for what it's worth, let me play you this one. And so that's why they titled it that. Wow. Um, however... I thought that song, when I was growing up hearing it, Stop, Hey, What's That Sound, Everybody Hear What's Going Down, I thought it was a political song, it was an anti-war song. Stephen told me it was it was about a bar that they closed on the Sunset Strip, and there were kids protesting, uh, and he said it was a funeral for a bar. Um, however, Four Dead in Ohio, I mean... Honestly, Jackson Brown's always been quite political. Bonnie Raitt has been political. Don Henley has always with Walden Woods and all of that. And when I started to really explore these people, their world, their work, and I looked at the time, you see, this is the thing about scenes that people don't always understand. You have to look at it in context. What was happening at that time? Elliot Roberts told me that it was an exciting time because... Even the Black Panthers would come to their concerts. You know, draft dodgers would go up to mm-hmm. Canada and just to avoid having to, you know, be drafted. And David Geffen said that the difference between all of that kind of protest then and now is the draft. You know, there's no draft now. So there's sure. not that much to protest in terms of anti-war, although Lord knows there should be. But... um Politically, George Bush knew not to have a draft because of what happened. Exactly. And I got to tell you, when I saw all the Ferguson and the Eric Garner and the, you know, uh, I can't breathe and all that stuff. I mean, to me, as someone who lived through the 60s, I was... Thank God. Finally. Hello. Mm. Where were you all when George Bush stole the election? You should have been in the streets, you know? I just felt that this was... I I tried to divide this piece up into several things. I divided it up into the music, the drugs, the sex, and the politics, because all of them played such a serious part. And unfortunately, as with so many scenes, the drugs started to take over. Yeah. And it started to become hard drugs. It wasn't just pot anymore. And it broke up relationships. 
Joni and Graham both told me how it broke up their relationship. And um, David Crosby has chronicled his own battles sure. by himself a lot. And, and a lot of these people, the Eagles, I mean, they went through some really bad times. And unfortunately... Scenes don't last. You know, they exist in a certain time. They sizzle, they burst, they explode, and then they burn out. But the music is still amazing. I'm telling you, I have a renewed appreciation for Crosby, Stills, Nash's harmonies. It's beautiful. They're great. It's beautiful. Also, I think Graham Nash is one of the great writers of all time. Uh, and it never gets brought up because it's so, it seems like it's very simple and easy to do for him, but there's great songs in there, Stephen Stills. Um, but you know, you kind of start this off with Mama Cass, and no one considers the Mamas and Papas to be the beginning of that. But I love that, yes, they were the first people in the canyon, and they adored Mama Cass, didn't they? All these guys went to her house all the time. She had food. She let them write on her walls. Michelle Phillips said it was a mess. She had to go there and clean it up. But you had to call her first. You couldn't just show up. But it was a hangout. They called her the Queen Bee. She put people together. She definitely put Crosby, Stills, Nash together. And the other funny thing is, I think it was it was David or Stephen. One of them said to me, well, we can still go out and play arenas but in order to make the kind of money the Eagles make, we need Neil. Right, you know? exactly. And Neil is very mercurial. You know, Neil has his own path and his own world and his own way of thinking. And he's tried so many different um, musical things. It was interesting to me that he reunited Buffalo Springfield briefly. Um, what was it, two years ago? I yeah. Think or so. I mean, I wrote this two and a half years ago, and it just finally got the space in the magazine. What now. is that like for you? Are you Were you crazy from that? I mean... I was very frustrated, of course. Are yeah. you kidding? However, you know, the magazine world is changed and a lot of it is digital and online now and there's mm -hmm. not as much space and pages and you know everybody wants to write for Vanity Fair and so we have a whole ton of writers and a lot of stories that have to get in so I knew it eventually would but I was very happy that I got in this Hollywood issue because it it's funny it's the people in this story are all in their 60s. Some of them are in their 70s, but it feels like a young story. In it does, right? Yeah. Well, you know what? Because, you know, like you said, when you were younger, you had a certain idea about California. But just think of how many of those ideas are now mainstream. Granola is mainstream. Everyone eats it. Yoga is everywhere. Everything that they kind of got laughed at, farm to table and back to nature, so many of those things are in the suburbs. It's now. funny also because I have some quotes from people in the article. Adam Levine, for example, from yeah. Maroon 5. Graham Nash was a family friend. Graham Nash gave him money for his first demo. He loves that music. Rick Rubin, the producer, who's a good friend of mine, he owns what's called the Houdini Mansion. Mm -hmm. Even though Houdini never lived there, he lived across the street. My husband's a magician, so he knows that history. But it's called the Houdini Mansion, and it's on Laurel Canyon Boulevard. And so Rick loves that music, and Rick talked a lot about how 
great that music was. And I think I even have a list in one of the opening paragraphs of some of the bands, whether it's Haim or Dawes or Mumford and Sons or mm-hmm. so many bands, young bands that are influenced by that music still today. Well, if you go into, you know, if you're just a, a kid playing a guitar and writing songs, that's the first spot now. That's kind of ground zero. Either that or what James Taylor did on the East Coast, but it all, you know, kind of folded together there. Where do you see, let's say, Jackson Brown, his influence in being part of this? Because he was a guy that always did stuff his own way, never got his big as the Eagles, but I don't know if there's anybody more respected from that scene. Jackson is very, very respected. First of all, he had absolutely, um, uh, totally disciplined, strict political standards. He's always taken a stance on the right side of things, I think. And he's put his money where his mouth is, and he's always been available for benefits. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, he certainly has been recognized. The thing is so funny is I remember Jackson when he was playing with Nico at the Electric Circus yeah. um, on on St. Mark's Place, and he was young and gorgeous. I mean, he was the most beautiful, beautiful young guy, and he had many, many affairs with many famous women. Yeah. And um, then when he went out to L.A., you know, David Geffen sort of signed him and took over his career and really helped him, and he has... the best things to say about David. The other thing that's very interesting that people might not know that's in this piece a little bit is that David's first artist was Laura Nero, who was very much a New Yorker. Yeah. She lived, and I think, in the Beresford on 81st Street before it became a huge, expensive co-op, but it was something like that. And I remember being a young woman and young girl actually in new york city listening to laura nero sing her own songs not the fifth dimension and the other people who she wrote for because they couldn't get her to record but david made her career and david found her and david was so taken with her talent and she had a unique voice a unique tone a unique songwriting style and in an insidious kind of way, that seeped into a lot of stuff that happened in California. Sure. Because all those artists were very... David Crosby especially was... He said David Geffen took him to meet Laura Nero, and he was just blown away. He said anybody who was that taken with someone as creative as Laura Nero had to be somebody that I wanted to represent me, even though it may not have ended well. But. And, you know, Laura Nero, that music is still like cult you know i mean it hasn't gotten above that but the people who love it it's their favorite but i would agree that if you look at all that sound that came out of there you don't trace that back to the beach boys you really trace it back to the village you know well that's where they all started yeah i mean Joni was singing with her husband chuck mitchell at the time in greenwich village when both david and elliot saw her um I think Mama Cass was in the Mugwumps, which also was in the village. This is a little, something before my time, thank God. But I remember Ramblin' Jack Elliott in the village before Dylan came there. And, you know, all of that, that's where they came. They came from all over the country to play those coffee houses there. And then they migrated to California. You know, New York has always been a tough place, I think, for musicians to live. I've loved the stuff that's come out of New York, obviously, Lou Reed, the mm. New York Dolls, all of that. The Ramones, love that. 
jazz before it. Thelonious Monk, Miles Davis. I was sneaking out of my house, as I told you when we talked about my book. But it's a hard place for musicians to load in and load out with a van. There's not that many places to rehearse. People, you know, you can't be in an apartment building playing drums all night. So there aren't the same kind of garages. So California was kind of like the Wild West. Uh, But, I mean, I remember going to California in 1970. I was the only person who wore black. There were no, there were no cool restaurants. They were like, it was rustic. It was like, I stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel and then it became Hotel California on the album cover, you know? But now it's nothing but restaurants and everybody wears black and I still can't drive. (laughs) But you're right. When you used to go out to California, it was a different, it's probably what it feels like when people go to Montana or something now, you know, you're like, okay, these people live here on ranches and stuff. And there's like one bar to hang out at. But if the right people get together, that's where there is that scene. And I always think it's, interesting in every scene is that there's always some people who are not musicians who are very much responsible for the scene. Absolutely. I mean, in New York, Hilly Crystal at CBGB, Seymour Stein, who signed people to his labels, and um, California, David Geffen, Elliot Roberts, Irving Azoff, Lou Adler, um, Doug Weston at the Troubadour initially gave mm-hmm. him a place to play. It's absolutely true. Elmer Valentine, who had the whiskey, you know, club owners, record executives, managers, the musicians need them and they need the musicians. Right. But, you know, there's a great line. Well, Giffen maybe is different. Elliot's different. They're still really pretty important. So is Irving. However, there's a great line in a John O'Hara book called The Big Laugh where it says, nobody ever paid a nickel to see a Warner brother. Yeah. And, you know, the musicians, to me, and the music is what really in the end lasts. It does last, but I also agree that the thing that brings the end to every scene is always cocaine and money. Those are the two things that it's hard to stay yourself. Heroin also, I think, is yeah. Yeah, especially in England. Um, yeah, that that's a drag. I know. It's too bad. Uh, the article, and you've got to go check this out. By this way, this could be a book. When I finished reading this, I'm like, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Thank you. That's very flattering because whenever I read things that are too long, I'm thinking like, oh, my God, stop already. So, so many people told me it was too short. And I said, well, it was 4,000 words, but I do have a 1,000 pages of transcript I didn't use, so I may do something. I think it would be terrific because, like I said, this is as much of American music as jazz is, as country is, uh, as the blues is, because it it came from all the American influences, really, some British influences, but then you... It it came out out of California... Itself, yeah. which was in many ways the American dream back then, wasn't it? Was. It was. And also, there's some Latin in there, and there's yeah. Tex Mex in there. Stephen Stills is responsible for that. He's a great arranger. He's yeah. an amazing arranger, and that also gets forgotten about. Uh, and you, uh, to me, you brought up one name with Michelle Phillips, who I thought was the face well, she of was beautiful, California. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, that when you saw her, 
any pictures of her, you were like, there is a land where something like this takes place where people are blonde and natural and, you know. Yeah, it was very much, um, it wasn't beach blanket bingo. That was more kind of like spring break stuff. But it was a, a golden dream for a lot of people. It really was. And it was a place... I mean, Joni opens the story by saying, I saw a book that said the craziest, I don't remember the exact quote, but it's something like some photographer found a book that said the craziest people in America go to California. And the craziest people in California go to Los Angeles. And the craziest people in Los Angeles go to Laurel Canyon. And the craziest people in Laurel Canyon go to Lookout Mountain. So... I bought a house on Lookout Mountain. That's amazing. Uh, Check out the article, An Oral History of Laurel Canyon, the 60s, the 70s, Music Mecca, in the March 2015 issue of Vanity Fair. And then Lisa's book, There Goes Gravity, available in stores and online paperback April 7th. It's a great history of, of a lot of scenes and a lot of different things. And I'm so happy anytime that you stop in here. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much. I love doing this. I'll see you next time coming through. Thank you. a chance there was just a dream some of us had just a lot of lines to see but i wouldn't want to stay here it's too old and cold and settled in its ways here all the california california coming home i'm gonna see the folks i dig i'll even kiss a sunset pig california i'm coming home Who did the goat dance very well He gave me back my smile But he kept my camera to sell Oh, the rogue, the red, red rogue He cooked good omelettes and stews And I might have stayed on with him there But my heart cried out for you California Oh, California Coming home Oh, make me feel good Rock and roll band I'm your biggest fan California coming home Oh, it gets so lonely When you're walking And the streets are full of strangers All the news are read Just give you Lots of pretty people there Reading Rolling Stone Reading Vogue I said how long can you hang around? I said a week maybe two Just until my skin turns brown And I'm going home To California California I'm coming home 
you take me as I am? Strung out on another man, California, I'm coming home. Oh, it gets so lonely when you're walking and the streets are full of strangers. Joni Mitchell, and I want to remind everybody that you could read uh, Lisa Robinson's article, An Oral History of Laurel Canyon, the 60s and 70s music mecca, in the March 2015 issue of Vanity Fair, uh, and her book, There Goes Gravity, available uh, in paperback April 7th. It's The hardback is still out there in stores and online, but the paperback... Save a couple shekels for yourself. We'll be out April 7th. It's always been weird to me that I never lived in Los Angeles. I always thought at some point in my life I would live in New York City, uh, I would live in Florida, and I would live in Los Angeles. Somehow, Northern Virginia took the Los Angeles portion. Um, Fez, what do you think? Next gig? We go out. We live in Los Angeles. You get a place in Malibu. There's a lot of gays out there. That sounds perfect for me. Do you really think that's where you would be happy? <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've lived on the beach in Florida, and I kept the blinds closed. You're a lot of fun. You really are. The California sound, that great American dream that everybody has that, of course, is... You know, completely false. It's TV, it's movies, it's music, and they sold us this mythology, and we're always looking for it, I think. I mean, that's why people, I think, need to hear the song Hotel California at least once a day for some reason. If you believed FM rock radio, people have never gotten sick of certain songs about California. Um, Even Led Zeppelin. Even Led Zeppelin was going to California, um, which is why I brought up the British thing. And I saw her kind of tilt her head like almost like she went to say, you lost me, Ron. But she's way too kind for that. One of the really great, great rock and roll uh, writers, Lisa Robinson. Tonight uh, on Ron Bennington interviews over at Indie Channel, which is 102, 102, 9 o'clock tonight. There is going to be uh, an Unmasked played. Who's that going to be, Fez? That is Nick Stoller. That is Nick Stoller. Nick Stoller, very, very interesting guy because, uh, you know, he's a director. And I I thought, well, it would be amusing to hear his stories. But quite frankly, he was one of the funniest guests that we've ever had on Unmasked. This came out swinging the entire time. Uh, anything else we need to plug before we get out of here, Fez? 
Um, next Tuesday at Caroline's, it's round two of the comedy tournament going on there. I want to see that tournament. That's going to be a good tournament. Why do you get your feelings hurt? Well, you know, I'm just having fun. I'm just stupid. You're not stupid. I'm teasing the way we have our entire life. So that is 7 p.m. next Tuesday at Caroline's for Caroline's Comedy Madness. What is it again? Caroline's Comedy Madness. Come on, what are they playing? Oh, it's their Comedy Madness tournament. Tournament. See? We can have fun with that. I still say Crick after all these years. I still say Water. I like a glass of water, please. Uh, that will be it for us then. Um, we'll see you back in here on Monday. Is there something else that you had, Fess? It's, uh, I heard something in your ears. The South Beach Comedy Festival tickets are going on sale today. Well, they've been on sale since 10 o'clock this morning. South Beach Comedy Festival. Make sure you get in on that. Some unbelievable acts. Some great acts, including Bill Burr, Hannibal Burris, Patton Oswalt. Go to LiveNation.com for that. It's not a tournament, but it's a lot of fun. Satellite's gone. See you guys on Monday. Peace. And that's the end of my show. Donk. It'll be filled with park and cars. I watched it for a little while. I love to watch things on TV. With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday With Harry, Mark, and John Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my mind it for a little while I love to watch things on TV
You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to the Ron and Fez show. It's now over, but don't worry. You can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.